morning, New York sports fans. I am Danielle McCartan. Drive time, Danielle? And I bet a lot of you guys are still commuting home from work, so it might work. You guys are navigating your traffic through this city. The good news is I'll be talking all things New York sports with you for the next couple of hours up till 11 p.m. So it'll make your standstill traffic drive, hopefully, um, a little bit more convenient, a little bit more enjoyable, okay? So Connor Green and I are coming to you live from the Boomer and Geo studio here in Lower Manhattan. And you guys know the number. It's already speed dialed into your phones, 877-337-6666. And as always, let's load them up with your best content only. And uh, by the way, Giant fans, this goes out to you at 840. I've got two-time Super Bowl winning New York Giant Lawrence Tynes joining us live via the phone to lend uh, us in, uh, his opinion and his thoughts about that winning mindset. And he's going to ch- try to unravel what seems like a team that has kind of sort of lost its way so far this season and over the past couple of years. So hopefully we can dig into what Lawrence Tynes has to say about that. And with the Giants is precisely where we will start. I'm a loser. I'm a loser. And I'm not what I appear to be. Yeah, the I'm a loser part is certainly true about the New York Giants. And the I'm not what I appear to be part might be wishful thinking as week seven looms for the one in five Giants who are owners of the second-worst winning percentage in the entire NFL. The only team that has a worse winning percentage than the New York Giants is the Detroit Lions. And then the Miami Dolphins and the Jacksonville Jaguars are equal to the Giants. Talk about company that you don't want to have. But in looking at that first opening drive on Sunday against the Rams, which is always scripted, the Giants looked actually quite good. On that opening drive, I remarked twice in my notes that I loved the tempo at which the Giants' offense was operating. Daniel Jones always plays better with tempo. And if you're a fan of my show, you know that I made that observation last year as well. He had so many quick release throws in the face of pressure that everyone knew that the Rams were going to be bringing. He was standing tall. He was breaking off runs. I mean, all really positive stuff. On that opening drive, you saw Jones with a major fake out, which actually tricked the cameraman. That's how you know it was good. On a real handoff to Devontae Booker that went for nine yards. I think his average going into that game was like three point something, which is like three times his average. Cool. And I wrote down, that hole was huge. Even I could have gotten through it. On that opening drive, you saw a quarterback sneak from Daniel Jones that went for a first down. With that, early on, It seemed to have answered any question that anyone might have had about his readiness to play. And in that opening drive, you saw the New York Giants become the first team to score opening drive points against the Rams this entire season. There were 14 plays of up-tempo football in 5 minutes and 39 seconds that went for 73 yards and 3 points. But any points are good points against this Ram team, especially at that point. Take them early, for sure. And that was really it. And I guess the message here is, if you're going to any Giant games this season, make sure you're in your seats early because it went downhill fast after that opening drive. And while there were many good takeaways from that opening drive, there was also 
a harbinger of things to come. Katarius Tony was headed to the locker room with nine minutes and 55 seconds left in the quarter. And he didn't even return to the game. And that, as they say, was all she wrote. In my notes, I questioned why the Giants had slowed to a glacial pace in drive two and beyond. I also noted, well, where's Evan Ingram? He had only been targeted 19 times this season so far with 14 catches. Kyle Rudolph, too, for that matter. He's only been targeted 13 times this season. Eight catches. I mean, you'd think that a guy like Jason Garrett has got a great game plan for a tight end considering he coached probable Hall of Famer Jason Witten. In fact, again, Garrett had a couple puzzling play calls while the game was still, I don't know, I would say somewhat salvageable. For example, I point to it was the first half, 222 remaining in the half. Giants were driving. It was third and seven, and Jason Garrett has Daniel Jones looking for Dante Pettis, who spent so much time on the practice squad that that game was his first of the season. Huh? At halftime, the graphic on your TV showed you how it was going to end. Sean McVay, as a head coach, was 40-0 and when leading at halftime. He's now 40, 41-0. I hear everyone talking about this Giants offense and the weapons and the injuries, and which sure is part of the puzzle. But I guess those people haven't tuned in here to this show. Tell me something. Matthew Stafford finished with 251 yards, four touchdowns, one interception, and a 128.7 passer rating. Perfect, by the way, 158.3. And here's the best one of them all. Are you ready? Are you sitting down? On 28 passing attempts, the Giants' defense allowed Matthew Stafford to have exactly six incompletions. Six. All game. And, okay, the severe skeptic might say, well, you know, the Giants had to have forced him to make short, high-percentage throws. No. Matthew Stafford averaged 7.3 yards per pass. For comparison, it's like a palindrome. Daniel Jones averaged 3.7. This made me really kind of start thinking even more critically about the opposing quarterbacks that the Giants have faced this season and how all of them have carved up this defense like a Thanksgiving turkey. It's a funny joke until it's made about your own team's defense. So I did a deep dive. And my best stuff, I've realized, begins with I've done a deep dive. I'm going to tweet out the graphic I made in a few minutes, but what I did was I took every opposing quarterback in the order that the Giants played them. And I posted their stats in what I think are the like five main categories to determine a quarterback's performance. I did not get carried away with like next-gen stats, although I could have, but here we are. Opposing quarterbacks against this piss-poor Giants defense have an average quarterback rating of 115.2. Again, 158 is the highest. They have put up 14 passing touchdowns. Meanwhile, Daniel Jones only has four. And have an average completion percentage of 75%. You know, think about that average quarterback rating against any you know singular player. So if there's a quarterback with a 115.2 rating, who is it? Well, based on the current numbers right now, Dak Prescott has exactly a 115 quarterback rating. 
Matthew Stafford is like a tick higher than that. But imagine the Giants are going against a Dak Prescott or a Matthew Stafford every single week. That's what this defense is allowing these other opposing quarterbacks to look like. I mean, Teddy Bridgewater, Matt Ryan, Jameis Winston, they're all playing to Prescott and Stafford numbers against this defense. Something's got to give. And all, everybody wants to call up and talk about firings. Okay. Based on those numbers alone, and with much of the same personnel in place as last year, in terms of players, I'm really not sure how Patrick Graham has a job, to be honest. I got a lot of people calling for Dave Gettleman's job. And maybe so. Dave Gettleman was hired in December of 2017. So essentially, I know he inherited some issues, but he's the architect of this Giants team that has the worst winning percentage at home in the NFL since the year he got here. And at this very moment, if the season ended today, the New York Giants would pick fifth overall in the 2022 NFL draft. They also hold the 16th overall pick via Chicago. And in fact, during Dave Gettleman's tenure, the Giants have picked second, Saquon Barkley, sixth, Daniel Jones, and fourth, Andrew Thomas, overall. And ask yourself, would you put your trust in Dave Gettleman with two premium Potentially franchise-altering first-round picks in next year's draft? Ask yourself, would you put your trust in Dave Gettleman to make another potentially franchise-altering decision to negotiate a new contract with Saquon Barkley or let him walk? Dave Gettleman's second overall pick in the 2018 draft? For me, and I've been a Dave Gettleman fan, that answer is no. A lot of people are calling for the head coach job, uh, Joe Judge's job. Okay, maybe so. Joe Judge, as a head coach, is 7-15. and 15. <laughs> And I'll add, you know it, and I did not at the time. Like, that preseason plan that he had, if, if, if you are a fan of the show, you know that I called out his resting his starters for so long. Like, I certainly did not like the decision to keep Daniel Jones on the bench for this long in the preseason, the starters on the bench so long this preseason, just as vehemently, vehemently, I can never say that word, <laughs> uh, as I did not like the decision to leave Daniel Jones in in that blowout loss on Sunday. The commentators of the game kept talking about how it was the right decision to keep Jones in, to get his timing down, and they kept saying to get reps, get reps with his receivers. But I'm confused. Wasn't that what the preseason was for? Or or is this the Giants' preseason? Say what you want about Daniel Jones. Tell me that the independent neurologist cleared him to play, et cetera, et cetera. The fact of the matter is, when you look at quarterback rating, which... As I mentioned a few times, but quarterback rating I like to look at because it's a cumulative number that incorporates all of a quarterback's given stats. That was the second-to-worst game that Daniel Jones played in his career. And might I argue that in his worst game of his career against the Patriots, at least he threw a touchdown pass. This past Sunday against the Rams, in that column, Daniel Jones notched a zero. And in defense of Joe Judge, there are only so many injuries that you can sustain. Saquon Barkley, Andrew Thomas, Ben Bredesen, Shane Lemieux, 
CJ Board, out for the season, by the way, Kadarius Tony, Darius Slayton, Kenny Galladay. And speaking of, can anyone play wide receiver for the New York Giants? I heard they're having open tryouts tomorrow at the Quest Diagnostics Training Center. No, they actually are not. Don't show up there, but they might as well. So where do the Giants go from here? Is it time to pack it in? That is certainly the emotional response to what's going on at the Meadowlands. What the heart says is there's a lot of ball left to be played, as Joe Judge uh, told his team in the locker room after that Rams ridiculous demolishment of the uh, of the Giants, 38 to 11. Technically, he's right. There is a lot of ball to be played. They do have regular seems regular season games scheduled up through January 9th, and technically. Leonard Williams is right, too, when he said this. We have the same group of guys that we did last year, and we were in a similar situation. We were one game off from going to the playoffs last year, says Leonard Williams, which is true. All of this disaster on a day where the Super Bowl 46 New York Giants were in attendance for a special ceremony. Maybe the silver lining is this. The Giants are directly in the middle of the pack in terms of strength of schedule remaining. The win percentage of their remaining opponents is 515. Maybe, maybe they can go on a run and all of this losing will be forgotten. Wishful thinking, I know, with Patrick Mahomes, Tom Brady, and Dak Prescott left on their schedule. But any given Sunday, I, I guess. I mean, it's hard to wrap my mind anyway around the fact that the Giants had the NFC's Offensive Player of the Week in Week 4. The NFC's Rookie of the Week, Kadarius Tony in Week 5. And by the way, the offensive player was Daniel Jones. Kadarius Tony in Week 5. And they got one lonely win to show for it. Yeah, that decision was made. Hal Steinbrenner decided that they needed Aaron Boone to stay. And in fact... He will stay with the Yankees for three more years. With a club option for the fourth year, which is 2025. Um, Justin Bieber and Kid Leroy. That's been stuck in my head all day long, that song. Brian Cashman even went so far as to say that they could, they knew that they couldn't find anybody as good as him. He said that. He actually said that if the Yankees let him walk, and this is a direct quote from Brian Cashman, if the Yankees let Aaron Boone walk, Cashman said... I believe he'd be the number one managerial candidate in baseball. Listen, this is not much of a surprise, especially to the listeners of this show. Every person I talk to, including that very reliable national reporter in my DMs, and Mark Feinstein told you on this show Friday night, everybody indicated that Aaron Boone was going to be back. It was just the number of years on the deal that varied among them all. I put up a poll on Twitter earlier this afternoon at Coach M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N asking you, now that you've slept on it, how satisfied are you that Aaron Boone was re-signed? The choices I gave you were the extremely happy face, the eh face with the straight line for the mouth, the sad face, or the angry face. And it was close. It was very close, actually, between all of them. They were all separated by about well, exactly 10, 10 percent points. But the winner was the mad face with the curse, uh, you know, above the of the above the lips. 30.5 percent of you guys 
are really mad that Aaron Boone is back. The next one was the one I would have voted for, the eh, face. And by the way, the 20% of you guys that picked the very happy face, give me a call tonight. We got to talk. Any intelligent Yankee fan would understand that Aaron Boone is not the main problem. And if you don't understand that, here's a quote from Brian Cashman just yesterday that will explain it for you. He said, Brian Cashman, we would be going to the market looking for someone like him. End quote. And to me, that was the most disheartening thing of the entire day. Because if the Yankees would be going into the market looking for someone just like him, then that signals to me that there has been no significant shift in the ideology of assembling a championship-caliber team up there in the Bronx. I hope I'm wrong. I hope that Boone Cashman 2022 gets it right. But that ticket's campaign slogan has been perennial postseason participants. Status quo, and that's not good enough. Cashman said, if you want to blame anyone, you can blame me. I mean, is this 2017, 2018, 19, 20, or 21? I mean, how many times do Yankees fans have to hear that sentence at a season-end press conference? It's the same thing year in and year out, and it is exhausting. And Hal Steinbrenner said yesterday, we have a person and manager in Aaron Boone who possesses the baseball acumen and widespread, right, widespread respect, say that 10 times fast, in our clubhouse to continue to guide us forward. As a team and as an organization, we must grow, evolve, and improve. We need to get better, period. Hey, psst, Hal, the only way you're going to get better is if you necessitate, necessitate a cataclysmic shift in the offensive, defensive, and pitching philosophy of your team. Is Brian Cashman the guy to do it? That still remains to be seen. And then, oh, Ready for this one? Hal Steinbrenner said, I know Aaron fully embraces our expectations of success, and I look forward to drawing on his intelligence, instincts, and leadership in pursuit of our next World Series championship. Instincts? Ha! That's got to be a joke, right? Instincts? He's allowed to manage with his instincts? Aaron Boone, I think I can help lead us to the top. That's why I'm here. That's why I came back. That's why I originally signed up to come here. Okay, keep taking your pictures out in the fourth inning, burning out your bullpen. Keep batting Aaron Judge second. Those solo home runs are real game changers. Keep putting out a defense filled with infielders playing out of position. Keep sending Brett Gardner out there in center field on a daily basis. You see where I'm going with this? But, oh, wait, that's not you. That's the collaborative effort, isn't it? Okay. So which is it? Is it you? Is it the collaborative effort? Where can Yankees fans direct their anger? Where can they write a strongly worded letter to? Because I think that's where most fans are at. And basketball. Adam Silver finally spoke. You know, he was at that Derek Jeter Turn 2 Foundation dinner that I was at that night, and I was hoping to ask him specifically about the Nets and the Kyrie Irving situation. He did not come down the red carpet. He did not meet with the media, and I wonder why. But I was ready for him. Believe me, I was. He finally spoke on it saying, this is not a league issue. Okay, something everyone already knew. Irving's issue is with New York City and its mayor, Bill de Blasio, not the NBA. Okay, move along. Thanks, Adam Silver. Plus, 
The Knicks are in action right now at Madison Square Garden. They are in the first quarter with about 727 remaining in it. And they are losing to the Boston Celtics just by one. The score is 14-13 right now. So, let's get it going. I have set the table for you guys. And I cannot wait to talk with you at 877-337-6666. I'm Danielle McCartan on The Fan in New York City. Well, doesn't this song just get you pumped up for Danielle at dinner time here on The Fan in New York City. So everybody, as everybody knows, the big news coming in yesterday. The Yankees and Aaron Boone announced that Aaron Boone, Booney, will be back in pinstripes. And he'll be back to manage the team on a three-year deal with a club option for the fourth year, which takes all the way to 2025. I was surprised that they went that long. And now... That all but guarantees that Brian Cashman, who next season will be general managing in his final year of his deal, will at least be back that long, too. Yankees fans, tell me how you feel. 877-337-6666. Because I'll tell you one thing. Unless this team's philosophy changes, I'm going to yell it. Which I'm not sure that it exactly will, given what I just said. The Yankees are going to be stuck in postseason purgatory for the next time. I don't even know how long, but probably until the Boone Cashman philosophy is gone. The Yankees have not won an ALCS since 2009, the year that they won the World Series with Joe Girardi. And look at the emerging Red Sox. Look at the dominant Tampa Bay Rays. The Yankees don't have a chance, as currently constructed, to win an AL East title, let alone a World Series. Convince me otherwise. 877-337-6666. In the order that you guys called, Eli in Washingtonville, you are up first on the fan tonight. Hey, Danielle. Look, how you doing? This, uh, listen, this hiring of Aaron Boone, everybody's upset at it just because it just shows that Brian Cash is going to be here for a long time. I just said that. Right, exactly. Yeah, it's, it's uh, you know, the Yankees, the thing is that the Yankee front office is stubborn. Hal Steinbrenner is, is like, you know, adopted Brian Cashman as, as his surrogate son. And this guy, he could do no wrong right now. So, and, and it's funny. I wish I had a job where I could I could tell my boss that I did a terrible job uh, in a press conference. And I still keep like, it, it's ridiculous how he spent over... You know, billions of dollars of the Yankees' money on contract like Ellsbury, on Hicks, yes, on on, and then you try you try to fix the team and, and say you you're going to bring contact hitters, and, and the person you bring in is Joey Gallo. That he has three sacrifice flies in his whole career. Yeah, when he has people on third base. Yeah, like it's ridiculous. It's listen, how how Sam Brandon with this move? I think he's joined the. The New York-hated sports owners club. Like, you know, he's right there with Mara. He's right there with, uh, you know, when the Wilpons on the Mets. He's right there with uh, the the next um, owner. He's just going to be hated in New York. That's it. You know what? As as long as the money keeps coming in, right, Eli? As long as the money keeps coming in. The Yankees are going to keep putting that product out on the field. It's just just sickening. Where has the, the will to win gone with this New York Yankees team? I mean, everybody talks about, we talk about this all the time, you guys. Oh, this 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 team that Brian Cashman put out there, it's not good enough. You know, oh, it's too right-handed. Okay, but 
Brian Cashman assembled that team, okay? Last I checked, that short porch has been in Yankee Stadium for, like, I don't know, forever. So how did you not realize that, okay, maybe I'm going to need a left-handed bat in that lineup? Like, not even just for the fact of, like, the alternating of left-right, 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 but just the fact that the stadium is literally built for left-handed batters. And if Anthony Rizzo is not wearing New York Yankees pinstripes last year, I don't know what I'm going to do. That stadium is built for that man. He should be back in Yankees uh, Yankees uniform next year, as far as I'm concerned. Lawrence in Austin, Texas. You're up on the fan. Hey, uh, nice to talk to you again. Yeah, thanks for calling in again. How are you? So, uh, I'm doing well. So, I'm in, like, this weird point with being a Giants fan now, because I'm 29, and, you know, like, my younger years, things were good, mm-hmm. and we won some Super Bowls, and mm-hmm. now it's like I'm assessing how, how poorly we play and I've just come to accept that this is just a really bad franchise. Um, what have they done in the last five years in the draft, like you had mentioned before, that uh, we need to get a new GM to pick better in the first round? Uh, I think it's really what you do like in the later rounds. You know, like We haven't produced anything with our later round draft picks in the last five years. The one thing I would disagree with, the one, I agree with you, but the one thing I would point to is Darius Slayton. I mean, he's been pretty good. He was like, what, a sixth rounder or something, fifth rounder? Yeah, that's a good exception. I agree with that. that. Is, that's a good word, exception. That's what it is, yes. But it's uh, as well, I think there is a, the heat is on to get the new GM now because it's not just uh, about the draft picks. We have to make some trades. Like, I don't think Barkley has a spot on this team next year. Uh, well, well, that's the thing. Do, do you want Dave Gettleman paying him or, or what? I mean, what's the deal with Saquon Barkley? No, no, uh, we, we, shouldn't, we shouldn't pay Barkley. We should, uh, this year, it's a fire sale. We should start trading away everything. It should be a complete wipe down from the scouting. Our talent, our talent scouts need to get wiped too. The coach needs to get wiped, uh, and the GM needs to get wiped. So, so we're going to start. Needs to take, Lawrence, we're going to start all now. over from nothing, huh? Do you think Giants yeah. fans would have the yeah. patience for that? I mean, how else do you do it when things are this bad? Can you really piece it together with what we have here? I, yeah, uh, well. Daniel Jones is good. I would like him to say uh, we have a we have a decent wide receiver core, but everybody else can get the hell out. If it's going to make us a better team. Hmm. Well, Lawrence, I, I'm not sure that that around these parts. I know you're from Texas. I, I don't think Giants fans. I mean, you guys can call up and, and tell me. Would you be happy with the complete tear down rebuild instead of this piecemeal thing? I don't know if that's the right answer, but I'm looking at Saquon Barkley's contract. He's got this year and next year, and then he's due for a payday. Do you pay him? I think the answer is no. As much as I like him. He's a great guy. I mean, I saw him at a U.S. women's national team practice with his daughter down in um, the Red Bull Arena down there in Harrison. I mean, he's a great guy. He's a girl dad. There's nothing against him as a, as a man, as a person. But when you look at the number of snaps that he's taken it's over the past couple seasons, it's 2020, he played 6.6% of the snaps. This year so far, he's played... I'm going to round up even 52% of the snaps. I mean, the best has that. I can never get these damn expressions right when I'm on the radio, but how does that expression go? The best avail- best availability is availability. <laughs> how does it go? Oh, I can't figure it out. But you, you have to be available. And, and for the Giants over the past two seasons, he has not been available. Not to mention that he only played 68% of the snaps the year in 2019. So... I'm not going to invest the bank in a guy like this for a team that, by the way, is is really 
very high and very close. Let me do cap tracker. I mean, the Giants, where are they? Let's see. Giants. Well, they are below league average in salary cap, actually. that that That's new to me. But I don't know. I wouldn't do it. If I were the Giants, I wouldn't do it. I would stay away from Saquon Barkley in a long-term deal until he can prove to, to me and to everybody that he could stay on the field for a long, sustained period of time. And enough with the running east to west. I mean, this guy is a north-south runner. Do it already. Vito in Staten Island. You're up on the fan. Hi, Danielle. What's up, Vito? Come stai? Not bad. Danielle, I'm asking you, that play with Judge getting out at the plate, yeah. did that change everything? Um, the Yankees thinking, like, if they could have danced and not, and then, you know. Uh-oh, Vito, we lost you. All right, so I guess, I guess the question was, uh, in essence, do you think Aaron Judge being thrown out at home plate was, I guess, a microcosm for this Yankees team moving forward? No, I don't think so. I think, and I get, I assume that was what the question was, Vito. But uh, no, I don't think so. Because if what they do, they fired Phil Nevin and they fired two hitting coaches. I mean, if they really wanted to really change their philosophy and everything, changes would have been made earlier in the season. They, that's the strategy and that's the story, and they were sticking to it. That was it, and. I think Judge getting thrown out at the plate made it easier for them to to fire these guys and send a quote-unquote warning shot to Aaron Boone. But is it really a warning shot? They brought him back for a longer deal than anybody was expecting, including me and the two insiders that I had uh, had asked, one of which was live on this air, Mark Feinstein. So was that a microcosm for this Yankee season? I don't think so. Do I hope that it is in the sense that they will change their philosophy and they will go out and make deals for and bring in guys that can steal bases and make it from third to home on a sack fly? Yeah. Or make it from, see, I was at a concert that night, but, you know, wherever Judge scored from. Do you think that, I don't know, I just think that that should be the the takeaway from Aaron Judge being thrown out at home. Besides all of the other stuff, the hitting approach and taking the pitchers out in the fourth inning, that that's a whole another conversation. All right, let's go. Richard in Manhattan, you're up next on the fan. Danielle, last week you were involved in a conversation with a couple of the callers regarding making the first round of the baseball playoffs best of three. Yes. There's no way they can do that because that puts the team that won the, has the best record, like Tampa was waiting around or the Giants are waiting around. They got to wait three or four or five days. They can get you know cold doing that. No well, but the, but then the converse of that it's just team specific because the converse of that could be oh well I have uh, you know X player that's nursing a, a sore calf. Uh, those couple days off will will we'll help him. Teams do not do well when they rest a week. Well, no t- tell me how the Tampa Bay Rays did this year. They did bad either way. Yeah, right. <laughs> right, that's true. But I think that's the reason why they don't do it, because they don't want teams rest. It, but I, to me, it puts them at a disadvantage. Baseball, unlike football, they just want to keep going. I remember a few years back, Colorado won the playoffs very easy, and then they went to the World Series, and they got swept, I think. I, I don't remember. 2007, I think, the year. 
and they were playing, and they had like 10 days off. But anyway, all right. But wait, so, well, let me just say one more yeah, thing, because I know now we're going to get a couple calls on this. But w- what I want to say is this. Yeah. The, I think that the 100... I mean, that's the reason I think they do it. Yeah, you know, sure. I, you know, whether, they, whether it's true or not, that's my opinion. Right, and, and I think that just having it a 162-game season, 162 oh, no, games. They could squeeze it in. The day after the All-Star game, they wait three days. They could do it two days after. Exactly. They right. They could, and they can squeeze it up. Oh, it has nothing to do with the length of the but, but, I, I agree. Wait, Rich, here's what I'm yeah. saying. If 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 we're going to look at a season that is just about 1,500 innings right. long, no, there's no you. reason it should come down to That's a right. nine-inning game. And right. also, not to mention, on, under my plan... Right. Oh yeah. But Richard, I, wait. My, yeah. Under my plan, there would be no travel days. I, the advantage would be that the the higher team, the better team, would be home all three games. Oh, that's that's could, the advantage. Sure. Well, that would certainly cut down the waiting time for right. the winners. Exactly. Yeah, that's the reason that I see it. Yes, be, I agree with you. Him, you know, it would put them in too much of a decision. Okay. Yes. Daniel, this thing I want to bring up in football. That, mm-hmm. uh, of the talk of today or yesterday was Josh Allen. Should they have gone for it? Could he sneak it in? And yeah. That. Okay. Something similar, in my opinion, happened nine days ago. Nobody brought it up on talk radio, and Which I can't it? believe it. Okay. What was it? Jets are playing Tennessee. Tennessee in, in the Meadowlands. Mm-hmm. Tennessee scores with 10 seconds to go, makes the score 24-23. Tennessee now can go for the one point on the point after, which is not 97, 95% anymore. Mm-hmm. It's more like 85, 88%. Right, because they moved it back, right? They're playing away. Which, in, uh, you know, going into overtime doesn't mean a lot, but it means something. Don't mm-hmm. forget, they're coming from Tennessee to play. You know, they want to get the game over as fast as possible. Okay, those are two disadvantages going to overtime. But the biggest advantage they have is a guy named Derek Henry. <laughs> Who's he? How great this guy is. Who is he? Superman, the best back. Nobody near him. Ezekiel Elliott is a very far down second. Well, if you have him and you got to run the ball two yards for the two-point play, why wouldn't you do that? I don't know. And nobody and everyone said, no, no, Tennessee's the better team. They want to go into overtime. I don't see that. When you go into overtime, it's 50-50, Omar. And there's no guarantee you're going to get that one point. You know, it would have been Oh, you would have heard a lot on talk radio if you would have missed the point after on the kick. Oh, yeah. But nobody brought it up. <laughs> Not one person, which I understand. Because everyone thinks of that as gambling. River, Ron Rivera did that last year. And Riverboat Ron. Right. Why is that? Either you're going to win or lose anyway in overtime. If you think you got the two-point play or a guy who's automatic, that makes it a better idea. Yeah. I mean, uh, to me, it's a capsule when you go into overtime. I hate the overtime rules. Yeah, you're right. And, and why not? You've got Derrick Henry. You, you outlined it perfectly. Give it, give it the man the ball. This guy, he's the best guy in the league by far. I mean, there's no question. The biggest if I'm hearing this all the time, well, here's the time to put the money where the mouth is. Right. And they, they didn't do it, Tennessee. And I didn't hear why. I mean, I would love to hear Tennessee radio down, sports <laughs> talk radio down yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. But nobody here in New York, I brought it up to a couple of uh, talk uh, radio hosts. No, no, no. You go for the tide. No, nah, I'm going for the win. I, what, what, Derrick Henry, Danielle? Yeah, I'm doing it. Always a pleasure. Yeah. Thank you, Daniel. Richard, thanks for that. Yeah, I'm doing it. I'm doing it. You know what it is? I hate, you know why I would do it? Whoa, this microphone's on. It's got a mind of its own here, Connor. Um, you know why I would do it? Because I hate the overtime rules. I mean, the overtime in the NFL is a joke. It is predicated on a coin toss. That's it. If you win the coin toss, you go down the field and you score. Game over. Oh, well, you got to make a defensive stop, blah, blah, blah. 
Come on. This whole game is slanted towards the offense. You win the coin toss, you have a really good chance of winning the game. I hate the overtime rules. So if I were ever in a situation, yes. If I'm the head coach, I'm going for the win. That's it. And especially if I got Derrick Henry on my team. You're right. You are right. How Steinbrenner said of Aaron Boone yesterday, I know Aaron fully embraces our expectations of success, and I look forward to drawing on his intelligence, instincts, and leadership in produce in pursuit of our next World Series championship. Is Aaron Boone the guy to lead the Yankees to the promised land? We will discuss coming up next on The Fan. Welcome to Danielle at Dinner Time, or maybe you're still stuck in traffic. This is Danielle at the Drive Time, I guess, then, technically, at 8.24 p.m. on this Wednesday night on WFAN. Man, this microphone is is ridiculously out of control. I might have to move to the to uh, to Boomer's seat. I'm in the uh, Boomer and Geo studio tonight. Um, a lot of feedback online. I got a comment on Facebook.com slash Coach McCartney from uh, Rick's, Rick or Rich Schuler. Uh, to my graphic of all the opposing quarterbacks and their numbers against the Giants, he said the Giants organization is a shell of what it once was. They will certainly be in the market for a new GM and head coach next season. Gettleman has failed miserably as GM. Nothing against Judge, but the Belichick coaching tree hasn't produced any good head coach material whatsoever. Good coordinators, nothing more. Um, so I'm writing back right now. I said, all right, Gettleman can go, but I'd like to take a better look at Judge without all of the catastrophic injuries. And then we'll see what happens uh, from there. And again, Hal Steinbrenner said that Aaron Boone is the guy. Is the guy. After they talked about for uh, about 15 to 20 minutes, I think they said it was last Monday they talked on the phone. And uh, I think it, Boone was on with a Carton and Roberts yesterday. And I think that's what he said, Monday. But they did talk for uh, 15 to 20 minutes, Hal Steinbrenner and Aaron Boone. And that's when he learned that he was going to be manager of the New York Yankees for the foreseeable future. Is Aaron Boone the guy to manage the Yankees to a win a World Series or even appear in one? Come on, both of those things have not been done in Yankee land since 2009 when Joe Girardi was the manager. To the phones we go. Justin in Deer Park, you're up next on The Fan. Hey, Daniel. I, I forgot to call earlier. I lost track of time because of the Nick game. Yeah, Nick game. I mean, I, I, there's no score on the screen right now, but, but how are they looking? I'm doing a show. It's hard to keep They're track. They're looking good. They started off with just way too many threes. Mm. But that's okay. Whatever. Yeah. All uh, right, my point. So you read the article I said, and you were correct, right? Yes, correct. All right. This is what I'm going to ask you now a follow-up. Well, I'm going to ask you a two-step, two-part question. Is that all right? Go for it. One, what was your take on the article I sent you? And part two is, since as a coach you are, since Giants defense still hasn't responded to the criticism and they're not following through, what should they do? I'll hang up and listen to your response. Yeah, Justin, thank you for that. Uh, the article, Justin sent me an article on basically, which formulated, Justin was a great article because it formulated, uh, it got me really critically thinking about this this Giants defense and what it has allowed opposing quarterbacks to do. It's kind of where I went with it in my own mind. Um, so it spurned this thought and, and the chart that I produced that I made um, last night. I was, you know, up last night. I was like, wait, I, I'm, I'm on to something here. And I compared quarterback rating versus the New York Giants defense, number of touchdowns those those players up through, you know, week, what is it, six have thrown, how many takeaways the Giants defense. They, the, the touchdown to interception ratio is 14 to 3 opposing quarterbacks to Giants defense 
I mean, they average, court, opposing quarterbacks average 270 yards per game and a 75% completion percentage. I, I tweeted this out at Coach M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N. If you're a visual person like me, it's there. Also, uh, Facebook.com slash Coach McCartan. It's also there, too. I mean, and then I just put Daniel Jones' at the bottom just for, like, a, a comparison. And there is no comparison. Like, this Giants defense is literally making opposing quarterbacks look like Joe Montana reincarnated. Seriously. So, what would I do as a coach? <laughs> I mean, I mean, it's hard to say because I'm not there. But if my team was underperforming so severely, like this Giants team was, I mean, I'd have to question my tactics on, on how I'm trying to get them to... To respond to me, uh, I would question my my preparation, my, my preparation of my players and, and their study techniques. Like, okay, clearly nothing's nothing's doing here. So we have to go back to the drawing board on either how to study or I have to start giving you new material on, on how to create a blitz. Because they had a twist blitz at one time and it ended up in a sack. I mean, it's it's so plain. Spice it up. I mean, you basically have the same personnel that you had last year as you have this year. So I don't understand what, what the the gigantic uh, disconnect is between last year's defense and this year's defense. I mean, it's too much soft coverage. I mean, you have guys that can go man-to-man. Why don't they? There's so many things. But you know what, though? I mean, this is... We're, we're six games down in a 17-game in a season. So if this is not an indictment already on how this is going to go, to maybe... And maybe the defense has lost respect for their defensive coordinator. I don't know. I'm not there. But this is a results-based league, and and the results I'm looking at with my eyeballs right now, I'm not sure. I don't know how Patrick Graham still has a job. I'm really not sure. So I hope that answers the question. But it's hard to say without actually being there, like being in those coaches' meetings and being in those rooms. And I'm going to ask Lawrence Tynes. Lawrence Tynes had a... uh, a comment on on the podcast that he said that the, the players, uh, he he seemed like the players quit in that second half. So I'm definitely going to ask him about that. And by the way, he's coming up in about ten minutes. So let's get through this. So let's go, Rocco in Watertown, Connecticut. You're up on the fan, Danielle. Take, thanks for taking my. Hey, call. of course. Thanks for making it. I I have to disagree that we that the Giants had the same players as last year. You you got you got to remember. They, what's his name, Tomlinson, and you got to remember the impact that him and Williams together had on the pass rush to give the secondary extra second or so, you know, to get their bearings and cover their people. Uh-huh. That's an important part. Also, the middle linebacker, he went out early yep. this season. I mean, these are these are not. Yeah, but that shouldn't be a damnation of the entire season. Oh, we, you know what? We lost Blake Martinez. Let's let's pack it in, everybody. It was a great run. You got to have a rush. Now, half of that problem is the general manager. He got rid of a lot of people who were pretty good rushers. He got rid of Flackler. He got rid of Tomlinson. He got rid of Golden. Mm-hmm. That is his problem. Mm-hmm. But you can't you can't start over. You got a pretty good nucleus. And I think you should just be patient with the injuries. Yeah, but, okay, Blake Martinez is out for the year. And you still got James Bradbury. You still got a Dory Jackson. I mean, where are they? Where are they? That defensive unit was supposed to be top five in the league, and, and they have not shown up whatsoever. Whatsoever. 
at all. James in Oldbridge, you're up next on the fan. Uh, hi, how are you? Um, can you hear me all right? All good, James. Go ahead. Here? Okay, look, um, one of the things I, I want to say, I remember a line in Bull Durham, the, go- the coach was really angry, and through grit teeth, he spat out this. He says, throw the ball, hit the ball, catch the ball, get it? And it's kind of what the Yankees don't do. Boone never was at bat once. He never threw a pitch. But we have guys on, in there, and Sanchez, uh, he's almost an automatic out. Hicks is an automatic out. Yep. Gallo almost is. Yep. Gardner, he's done. So if all four of those guys played once, you got four automatic outs. Mm-hmm. And the other guys, you know, they, they talk about strikeouts almost as if, that's ah, okay, guys. It's terrible. Can't stand you it. didn't strike out. Right. If George, was, if George was around, these guys would have been long gone, and other things would have been done, too. Uh, so that's the problem. I mean, DJ's been hurt this whole year, so it's really hard to do that. Torres has had a terrible year, too. But everybody talks about the vaunted Yankee lineup. Oh, it's so fearsome. No, it isn't. They're not in championship games. No. Haven't been there in no. 12 years. And, and why, so and why they, on earth is Aaron Judge batting second? I mean, the guy hits home runs. Oh, why yeah. is he batting second? I mean, I get it. Sure. They want him to get more at-bats per game, but I don't agree with it. That's a, that's no, I cannot get behind that. Uh, you get two, you get two guys on base. He comes up third or even fourth. Exactly, and he hits the ball. We we got four runs. Exactly, runs. right. So, uh, they, and I'd like to see us play small ball. Hit, yes, throw, run, hit the first ball, to third, strategic spot. Yes, be able to steal. Guess what? Uh, Do you let's, know let's, base let's runners base. stole at a seventy-five percent success rate last season? Seventy-five percent of the time, if you stole base, you were going to be safe. Where were the Yankees yeah. on that? I, w- I think we should just go play baseball. Just play it, guys. Stop all the... the, the, the and the thing that I, I don't like, last point on this thing is, when Boone's having his p- uh, post-game interview, uh, and a guy has pitched and he's given up three or four home runs, he says things like this. Well, I thought he threw some good balls. Yeah. There. yeah well, four of them went over the fence. Yeah, the yeah. with batters. Yeah. They said, oh, he had some good swings. Yeah. He struck out three times. Yep. I wish they wouldn't do that. Just baseball, baseball, baseball. I'm with play you. Play to win. Beat champions, you know, that kind of stuff. I'm so. totally with you. I get it. And, and and it's so frustrating, too, when you see Aaron Boone, like, reporter asks him something, a question, you know, why? And then he he starts answering, and then he starts looking at the the, the note card that someone has prepared for him, and the an- he answers, he twists his answer Y into, in, into explanation X. Like, come on, dude. Yeah, I mean, they, they fought hard, and they, uh, it's like, you could just rinse, repeat. I mean, press repeat, uh, play, record, whatever. It's the same stuff over and over. Oh, yeah, Haney, he gave up uh, 16 home runs in, <clears throat> in the in the, <clears throat> in the in the seventh inning. <clears throat> but but I, I thought he had a couple of good, good throws. <clears throat> I mean, come on already. It's enough. It's frustrating. It, it's infuriating, actually. It's infuriating. But again, oh, he's above all, what's that word, absolution, because, you know, uh, yeah, uh, it's it's a it's a collaborative effort, everybody. It's a collaborative effort. Come on, get better, Tim and East Haven. You are up next on the fan. Uh oh, Connor, did this work? Oh, we got you, Tim. We got you. Okay, go ahead. Can you hear me? Yes, we got you. How you been? Long time no talk. I know. How are you? Good. We're doing good. good. Um, a little uh, perturbed with our our football giants. Mm. Um, I don't know how Gettleman still has a job. I know Mara doesn't have any stones, if you're listening, to fire him before the season. He needs to go. We've lost our way completely on defense. Yeah. Right? We Our front seven is god-awful. God-awful. And we're exposed now to smart quarterbacks. 
you know, and I hate to break to you, Giant fans. Outside of Darnold coming up, we have Patrick Mahomes. We have Tom, Tom Brady. Tom Brady. Dak Prescott again. And Dak again. And it, it, it's not going to get better. We have no pass rush. Zero pass rush. Yep. Yep. We have a rookie who, who, who can be good, but he's a complimentary piece. You know, we've done nothing in the draft to address our defense at all. It's been offense, offense, offense. Here, you and I didn't even want Daniel Jones during the draft. We wanted the other Josh Allen. Yeah, right. We wanted, we want, I wanted Isaiah Simmons. Yep. I wanted playmakers up the front seven, right? Yep. You could give me any championship team. I will give you a stud defensive player, whether it be Ray Lewis, whether it be Lawrence Taylor, whether it be Michael Strahan. Yeah, Enough. Just think of the, the Bucks that won last year. I mean, look at that defense. Look at Todd Bowles and what he's done with that defense in Tampa Bay. I mean, any one of those, like Shaq Barrett or, or JPP. Right? What? Yep. Yeah. Some good linebackers. You know, the Giants have devalued the linebacker position. Yeah. They, they had one good linebacker, and you're right. He's out for the year. Martinez is pretty good, though. He's real good. He's a tackling machine. Yep. He's a complimentary piece. We need better. We need, we need playmakers. We need Devin Bush types. We need we need push up front. We, you know, you know what Leonard Williams is. Leonard Williams of the Jets. Why? Because he got rid of Dalvin and BJ Hill. Those are two big guys. Yes. Two space eaters. And Marcus and Golden. He replaced him with Danny Shelton. Yeah. Who? Like six three. Yeah. Who? Four hundred pounds, and he goes backwards because he's got short arms. Yeah, I don't understand I don't, it, I, Tim. I, it's 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 almost as if this Giants team has lost. The identity that Giants fans have, have so much embraced over the years. I mean, you you think about what Joe Judge said in his opening press conference, and he said he won the press conference. Everybody agreed he won the press conference, right? Oh, this team, it, we're going to represent the blue-collar work ethic of, of its fans, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Great, awesome. This year so far, besides Daniel Jones, I haven't seen it. Besides Daniel Jones's play, I haven't seen it, especially on defense. All right, we've got Lawrence Tynes, two-time Super Bowl-winning giant to try to help us figure out what the heck is going on here. He is on the hotline. You guys, stay, hang tight, stay tuned. And uh, Lawrence Tynes coming up next on The Fan. Welcome back to Dinner Time with Danielle, Drive Time with Danielle, McCartan Before Midnight, whatever it is, on The Fan in New York City. On the hotline is two-time Super Bowl-winning New York giant, Lawrence Tynes. Lawrence, welcome to the show again. Danielle, how are you? Thanks for having me. Of course. Thanks for doing this for me. How was the flight? You're fresh. You're off the plane. You're home fresh. now. I'm just back. You know, I got to spend a lot of time with some teammates. I spent a couple extra days uh, playing some golf with Zach Diossi and his father, two former great giants, uh, and we solved their problems. We just talked about them for two days on the golf course, so we think we know how to fix this team. All right. Well... What, uh, how are you going to fix the team? What are you going to do? <laughs> I'm really just making that up, but listen, we, you know, we, we talked about it, right? Steve, his dad played on the 86 or, or 90 team. Yeah. Uh, you know, Zach was on both teams with me and Zach was, you know, he's, he's close to the organization. He just got done two or three years ago. And, you know, he brought up something that made a lot of sense to me. And he said, you know, I just don't know how much pride people have and playing for the Giants, these mm. new, this new age of you know of players. I feel like you know when when I was there and and, and all the people I played with, there was there was just this huge sense of pride. Like I play for the New York Football Giants. Like there's nothing cooler in the world, and you know that makes a lot of sense. Um, obviously, they haven't won. Um, they're struggling, 
and you don't gain confidence from losing, but they got to figure it out. The, the losing has just been happening for, for way too long. When you were there for the uh, Super Bowl 46 celebration, were you able to talk with, meet with any of the current Giants? Oh, yeah. Yeah, we were all together. Um, oh, the current Giants. I'm sorry. Yeah, current yeah. Giants. You know, uh, no. 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 No, 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 no. They – no, we did not have any kind of access um, to the to the players at all. That's a shame. I, I would think that, you know, <laughs> just, just the camaraderie, you know, and maybe to be able to impart that – pride you know because i don't know i just thought that might be a good idea it's 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 all covid related so traditionally at the 42 super bowl um anniversary Mm -hmm. we did go to practice on saturday prior to the game on sunday Mm -hmm. and then this year obviously four years later it's a completely different world we were not allowed um to go to the facility which is you know typically what we would do in a non-covid world Hmm. as you're taking the field we're talking with Lawrence Tynes here on The Fan. As you took the field at MetLife for that celebration, what was going through your mind? What memories? What were you thinking of? Oh, man, just the fans. You know, um, how quickly 10 years goes by. <laughs> um, but, you know, it, just the fans. I Listen, I feel the pain. Um, I'm a fan now. I don't play. Mm-hmm. Um, these fans, I love them. And so that's why I blew some kisses. Did a, you know, waved everyone and just started walking out because I care so much about the fans. I, it's just not good. I mean, there's a lot of money being spent there and it's not cheap to go there. I get that. And I know that. And to put something like that on the field, especially, you know, when we were there, I don't know. It just a lot, something's, something needs to change. I, I don't, and it's not ownership. So I know a lot of people like to go after the mayor's. Yeah, they're, like, they're not going anywhere. Nope. Yeah, no, nobody takes losses harder than those two families. Trust me. I was with the mayors on Monday at the Giants golf tournament. Nobody takes it harder. It's just, I don't know what it is. There's, there's something, there's, the message from Joe Judge or somebody is not getting across to this particular 53 players because you just don't go out there, and I don't care how many injuries you have, you just don't go out there and lay an egg like that. It, it just seems like they almost didn't want to play. For a team, we're talking with two-time Super Bowl winning New York Giant Lawrence Tynes on the WFAN hotline here. For a team, Lawrence, that has the worst winning percentage in the NFL since 2017, if it's not the Maras, where does the onus lie? Well, listen, I think you obviously have to take a look at the talent. You have to factor in injuries to some extent on offense. Mm -hmm. I mean, at one point there were seven or eight guys. The problem is we're going to have another incomplete grade on – Daniel Jones, if this continues, where right. he doesn't have guys, you know, the skill guys that we acquired in the draft and free agency. Right. But having said that, they, it, to me, it, there's got to be a talent deficiency somewhere. I don't know exactly where. We can all point to the offensive line. We lost a couple guys on the D-line last year that were really good players, either trade or free agency that we didn't think we should spend the money on. Dalvin Tomlinson was one of my favorite players on this team. Yeah. And, you know, you lose Blake Martinez – Peppers is not playing well. Um, you know, every year you have to go prove yourself. And, you know, Logan Ryan's not playing particularly well. And so I don't know if it's coaching. I mean, what do they have, 40 coaches, 35 coaches? I mean, they have a lot of coaches. And it's the coaches' jobs to get the players better. It's the coaches' jobs to put them in positions to win football games. And quite frankly, they haven't done that. So, you know, listen, it, you got to look at the coaching staff. 
I wonder, and and correct me if I'm wrong. Like it, it depends. Like it, from team to team, it depends on how many coaches there are. Is it, that's right, right? Yeah, I do, you know, unlike college football, there's no limit in the NFL. Yeah. So naturally, and listen, I don't know the number. I just threw mm-hmm, out 40, mm-hmm. 39, whatever I said, but right. I'm pretty sure it's close to 30 or something like that. That is, you know, I would love to do a comparison. Maybe I'll do it and send it out on Twitter tonight. But I don't think we had more than 16, 17 coaches during the Super Bowl run. You know, that's what I'm thinking. What? Like maybe the message is getting lost in translation from top to bottom. Well, as you know, Danielle, in this day and age, it's all about there's an analytics department mm-hmm. and there's an analytics assistant and there's an assistant to the assistant outside linebackers coach. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, it, it's true. There's too many cooks in the kitchen. Right. And, and you know, that that message can get lost. So um, I don't know. For whatever reason, this message from this staff is not getting through to these players. And there's other circumstances as to why they're not good either. But – You'd have to think they'd play with a little more heart, right, with that NY on their helmet and us being there and home game. I don't know. It just looked very bad. Hey, if, if you do do that, tag me in it, okay, so I can see it? I will. Okay, so listen, here's you just mentioned home field, and I was hoping we were going to go there. The Jets and the Giants, both of them, have two of the four worst home winning percentages since 2017. You played oh. there. What is it about MetLife Stadium that just does not generate a home field advantage? Well, you got to have a good team. <laughs> and those, neither one of those two organizations have had good teams. Yeah, but is it so, the building? Is there something with the building? I mean, it's it's corporate. It's sterile feeling to me as a fan. Well, you know, being there Sunday was about, you know, man, the first six minutes it was rocking. Mm-hmm. Like it was, you know, the defense was playing well. We mm-hmm. had a decent drive. Um, and then it just went really flat. Um, it's different. Listen, it's not the old Meadowlands, right? right. It, that that place used to get rocking. And, I mean, of course, the fans were on top of you. It was closer. This stadium is different. It's built different. It it doesn't go up. It goes up and back. Right. You know, so it gets you further away from the field. So, um, yeah, it. I always felt like we played played well there. You know, of course, they just don't have a good team. And I felt like we had, you know, Atlanta's the one playoff game I played at home. That place was rocking. Hmm. Um, that was the one playoff game. You know, obviously a lot of our runs were on the road. But, yeah, um, yeah it, I like the place. Now, I don't like it as much as I do the old place. So. Yeah. With us on the fan is Lawrence Tynes, former Giants kicker. Um, what about the fans in that stadium? You got John Mara being booed at Eli Manning's jersey retirement. The Giants were booed pretty hardly this past Sunday, as you know. As a player... How do you interpret the booing? Well, it's listen, like we talked about earlier, people are paying a lot of money. Some people for the very first time are coming to these games. They want to see a product. It, had the Giants have lost, you know, let's say 27-24, 30-27, you're not going to get booed. But listen, the effort in the second half was terrible. Mm-hmm. It was just bad. When you're down 28-3 to three or whatever it is at halftime, I mean, guys just, you know, to me, didn't look like they wanted to play. And, listen, I think everyone should boo. If I was out there and I miss a kick, I don't care if it's 28 or 58 yards, boo me. I did not do my job. So I'm okay with that. I'm a big boy. The teams I played with are big boys, and we can handle that. You know, Leonard Williams took a little exception to it. Uh, What would you say back to him? Well, I already commented, you know, and quick shout out to my Blue Rush podcast. I was crew. just about to do that. Yes. Were you? Yes. Okay, good. Jake Brown, Sarah McCrory, Paul Schwartz, 
my crew. Um, you know, we did a show right after the game, live show over at the sports book on Sunday, and I commented and listen, you know what? I just don't comment. It's only going to get worse now, right? You know how New York fans are. It, you you say that publicly. You guys are going to run with it. We're all going to run with it. Mm-hmm. And next time he, you know, they don't play well, they're going to boo even harder. Play better. You make $21 million a year. Play better. We can boo. Everyone can boo that went in that stadium and paid their hard-earned money to come watch you play. They can do whatever they want within the rules, right? And booing is part, is part of the rules. Yeah, you know, and there's another thing, too. I mean, is there something up with the turf there with all the injuries that's going on in that stadium, uh, having played on it? I mean, really? It, it's a fair question. I wouldn't – not necessarily the field. Now, naturally, that has been a field of contention throughout the league. Yes. Um, I think Shanahan mentioned something yes. last year with the um, – you know, I don't know. I, I just think – in some ways, some teams are just snake bitten. Some teams are soft. Some teams can play through stuff. Some teams can't. I'm not saying some of these things aren't things you play for, but Ahmad Bradshaw played through broken bones in his feet. So did Hakeem Nix. Uh, Chris Snee played through like dislocations, hip labrum tears. I don't know. It's a different world. It's mm-hmm. a different type of player. Um, and, you know, I don't know. I don't want to point my finger at, yeah. at that life field. I don't know. It, it, it's just bad luck. And, you know, no What's toughness, it? no championship on a Tom <laughs> Coughlin's favorite lines. <laughs> Talking to Lawrence Tynes, co-host of New York Post Blue Rush podcast. T- morale, motivation. You know, Sterling Shepard told the teammates on Sunday, he said, we have to play with heart, and that's, I think that's the main thing. When you look up at the scoreboard, you tend to get down. <laughs> no crap, like really. But you on the podcast – said, and you said it a couple times tonight, you alluded to it, in that second half of that Rams game, some of the players quit. How could you tell? Oh, effort is, is, is for me, being a you know a trained eye, having played the game, right. I study the game, it, the effort, it, it's just effort. It, you know, the Cooper Cup touchdown down, you know, the last one down, on, you know, the no-look pass that everybody was doing and on about. I'm not saying he doesn't score there, right? But when you're paid – you know, five, ten, fifteen million dollars on defense to go hit people and make tackles. You got to sell out and try and hit that guy. Who knows? Maybe he fumbles the ball, goes through the end zone, it's a right. touchback. Right. I just didn't see the effort there because you're getting beat. You know, so it's just listen. It's hard. I, I get it. I've never played on a losing team like that. Mm-hmm. And you know, Zach and I discussed it over these past couple of days, and some of my other teammates. I don't really know what they're going through. I can just tell you that. It doesn't look like a lot of fun. Yeah, my next my next question: What makes a guy check out? Like, I, obviously, it's the losing. I understand that, but but inside of a locker room, like, isn't there like a camaraderie? Like, dude, we can do this. You know, I don't know. I I wholeheartedly believe that all of those guys think that. Yes, I do. Um, but there's something. I don't know if it's a chemistry thing. I'm not in that locker room. Right. I can't speak for everybody. The only thing I would say, though, is I would love to see Sterling Shepard, and I hope Giants fans take this the right way. I would love to, for the Giants to trade him. He deserves to go play for a winner. That kid, I love him. I think he's one of our best players, as we all know, but he plays with such emotion and energy, just like Kadarius Tony does. Um, you need more Sterling Shepard. Sterling Shepard deserves an opportunity to go play somewhere and go make the playoffs and, and do do well because he, he has earned the right. He's been here a long time, and yeah. he's played through a lot of losing, and his effort 
his, you know, to his appearances at the podium. I love the kid. Never met him. Never spoke to him in my life. But he would fit right in on any of the Super Bowl teams I played on. You think Joe Judge has lost the locker room? You know, that's an interesting question. I love Joe Judge. I do, I really too. Do. I do, too. I love him. Now, we have to separate our love for him as a football coach, which I'm sure he's a damn good football coach. He is. We know that. I don't know that what he's preaching is getting through to this group. Mm -hmm. That doesn't make him a, a bad coach. It just makes him whatever his record says he is, like Bill Parcell says. He, he is what his record says he is. He is paid to win games. So I don't know what the end of the year looks like, but I'm a big Joe Judge fan. I really am. I, I, he knows the game. I just don't know if there's too many coaches or his message is, is just not getting through because the results are not – it's a results-based business. They're losing. We're talking about two-time Super Bowl winning New York Giant Lawrence Tynes here on The Fan. Um, the one thing I, I, will, I did not like with Joe Judge, and you can disagree with me, it's totally fine, keeping Daniel Jones in, in that game. What do you think about that oh. move? Yeah, get him out. Yeah. Absolutely get him out. That was ridiculous. Yeah. Now, young coach, right? He's a young coach. I get the whole we're going to compete for 60 minutes um, thing. But a guy coming off a concussion, I think in hindsight, that is just a mistake or an error on Joe Judge's part. He's never going to admit that. Um, I, don't, I don't look too deeply into that, but certainly they should have gotten him out of the football game. I saw your tweet from Monday. One of the last questions here. Uh, the Giants played much better in empty stadiums last year. They are in for a COVID-type <laughs> atmosphere the rest of the way home. So maybe that'll uh, help. Oh, Lawrence, yikes. Well, you know, that was a little <laughs> bit of jazz tongue-in-cheek. That, that was, um, you know, maybe we can rekindle some of that magic from last year on defense. But um, that was just a joke. But listen – there's a, you know, we're playing Carolina Panthers. Chase Blackburn's coming back, one of my favorite all-time teammates. He's the special teams coordinator for the Panthers. Yeah. Um, Matt Rule, who was our, one of our assistant offensive line coaches in, in New York. Mm -hmm. I, I just hope the stadiums don't get 50-50 or 60-40. You know, Strahan's retirement ceremony's coming up, and it's against the Eagles. And God forbid that place is full of Eagles fans. Oh, I just... It's getting ugly, and, and, and Giants fans are you know making a protest by selling their tickets. I get it. Um, but let's please, please, please not let that happen on Michael Strahan's day, Michael if Strahan. we can. Yeah, good guy there. And my final question here, Lawrence Tynes, is this. The Giants got a strength of schedule remaining of teams that average about, no, exactly, a 515 winning percentage. If they were to salvage the season, how can they do it? You know, the they have to get healthy on offense. And, and, and I know that's cliche and it, it's a kind of a weak argument, but, man, they are missing so many guys. Saquon, Tony, Thomas. Uh, Galladay. Lemieux. You know, people yeah. forget about the linemen. Right. Like, there's two of them. Bredesen. They make they, they're starters. Yeah. Lemieux and Gates were starters. Having said that, you have to find ways as a coaching staff to win football games. And why we don't use our tight ends, I love all of them, Rudolph, Caden Smith, Evan Ingram, up-and-down player, but let's use the tight ends and figure out a way to move the football against Carolina and go 1-0 and this week. If you can get that going, hopefully we get Saquon back, Tony back, Thomas is, you know, in a few weeks, then you can start to build something. But until you have your starting unit, I don't know that you can really get into any kind of groove here. But these coaches, have, you have to figure out a way how to win a game. Right. you got to win one.
Yeah, next man up, so, of course. Next man up. Well, Lauren Steins, awesome, awesome, awesome job tonight. I love having you on, and, and thanks for doing it with me. I know you just got you home bet. today, so. I did. Yep, anytime. Thanks for having me. Of course. Thanks for thanks for coming on, Lawrence. I appreciate it. And uh, Bob Husler has got an update for you guys coming right up. Welcome back to McCartan Before Midnight. We're walking in a spider webs. That's right. Uh, certainly the Giants and Jets are caught in some spider webs. And, uh, you know, I'm looking at the TV in the studio right now. The Knicks are down six points. The Boston Celtics with nine minutes to go. Well, 9.49 left in the third quarter. And and, and at that game is Tommy Lugauer and, and Evan Roberts. Evan Roberts, the big Knicks fan. Uh, he made, They made it there in record time. Do you see the tweet? They made it there in record time to the to Madison Square Garden. And... Uh, it's hard to keep like both eyes on this game at the same time you're doing a show and looking at Twitter and responding to people and everything. So it's it's kind of hard. I'm just kind of glancing up and looking at the score every once in a while. But the we have a final from uh, from the Astros and Red Sox game, and as you probably predicted, uh, the Astros beat the Red Sox nine to one, and they are now one. The Houston Astros are now one game away from representing the AL. In the World Series. Like, excuse me while I just throw up in this garbage can right here. Like, either of them, yuck. I don't know. Guess NL, right? That's what Yankee fans have to root for. And if you're a Met fan, I guess it's I guess it's the Red Sox, right? We did that poll last week. That, that was part of the show last week. Um, and by the way, I am, uh, I've been practicing. Not really. It's been really hard with a couple uh, due dates and deadlines at my day job. But um, Friday. As in two days from now, I'm going to be running the the 5K virtually with the New Jersey Devils to benefit the 35,000 healthcare heroes at RWJ Barnabas Health. And uh, I'm going to tweet out the link. We exceeded our $250 goal. We, you and I, all of us listening, all of us speaking, (laughs) exceeded the $500 goal. Just last couple days ago, we exceeded the $750 goal. The final goal, everybody, $1,000. That's it. We will hopefully raise $1,000 for the 35,000 healthcare workers uh, in, in, in Jersey with the with the Jersey Devils. Okay? So, again, it's a website I'm going to tweet out and uh, at Facebook.com slash Coach McCartan. And, again, on Twitter at Coach M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N. If you missed it, I'm going to send it out in, in about five seconds here. It's made right through their hospital website like there's no middleman taking money out of it i'm not seeing a dime of it not even a penny um and it's literally a hundred percent of the 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 proceeds go right to them and i don't like doing things and i always check things out before i donate to anything any cause anywhere i like to do a little research and this is completely 100 percent uh definitely 100 percent of it's going to the healthcare workers the healthcare heroes shall we say so friday's the day I'm going to run it, and uh, Sunday is the last possible day to to, to donate. So $1,000 is the goal by Sunday. We can do it, you guys. I'm going to send out the link right now as we go to the phones. A couple of you guys hung on during the interview, and, and your patience has been rewarded. You guys are going to be up next. So we've got 877-337-6666 on the phones. And Matt from the Jersey Shore, you're up. Hey, Danielle. How are you doing tonight? I'm great. How are you? I'm good. Uh, first, I just want to say have fun on your run on Friday. Thank you. Thank you. Know, you. Really, really great thing, and uh, I'm sure it'll be great. 
Well, I'm um, not. Sh- I'm not so sure it's going to be great, but we're going to do it. We're going to get through. <laughs> we're going to get through it. I'm not a runner. Come on. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, you, gotta, you know, doing one thing, doing something once is is worth worth doing, right? That you know what? I know At something. Least, you know the song by yeah. da- we talked about music last week. You know the the uh, song by Darius Rucker. When was the last time he did something for yep. the first time? So yep. I have made that my New Year's resolution for the past three years. So this is going to be my new thing for the month of September. That's when I started running with regularity in October when I'm going to actually do the run. So there you go. There you go. <laughs> Good yeah. for you, Danielle. Oh, thanks. Um, so I don't know what makes me more sick. The thought of watching the, the uh, rest of the AL playoffs or having watched that interview by Mr. Cashman and then uh, Mr. Boone shortly after. They, this team, <laughs> I'm not surprised that they kept Boone, but they have just lost their identity. It's, it's amazing. Just like you said before with the Giants, how, how the mighty have fallen in this town between the big brothers, the Yankees and the Giants, you know? Yeah. Uh, and, and, and where is the end in sight? I mean, they're in free fall, but where is the end? I know it. And I mean, unless they make serious changes to their player personnel that Cashman seems to think is their only real culprit in this new mindset of we'll just be good and see what happens as opposed to championship or bust. Unless they do that, it's going to be more of the same and for who knows how long. It's just mind-boggling to me that he did not come out and actually and, – and I didn't watch the one-hour and, and seven-minute press conference. Oh, of, I did. Cashman. I, I did, just so, waiting for him to trip up on something. And but, he yeah. didn't. <laughs> I, and so that means they are just so far invested in this flawed process that everybody can see except for them, which is infuriating. Oh, my God, Danielle. It's like Hal and Cashman and whoever their brain trust, quote-unquote, it's like they gave the fan base the middle fingers. But – the main reason why I called, and you being a teacher, I'm hoping you can, you know, clarify this for me and break it down for me like I'm a small child. Okay, okay, um, I'll try. <laughs> so, like I said, I I haven't watched a single minute of the ALCS. I could care less. Yeah. I hate both those teams. Um, so one night I got bored, and I watched Moneyball for however many times I've seen it, because mm-hmm. obviously it's a baseball movie. Mm-hmm. And... I'm I'm paying attention more so now because obviously it's all about analytics and it starts off with the fact that they don't have nearly the payroll that the Yankees and the Red Sox have. But then it turns into not just getting the players that would work for them for, you know, that would be cost effective, but it would also be um, how to change the game to this basically different sport we watch every day now, which yeah. clearly is different. What is it about analytics that this sport has, you know, th- stuck down our throats, forced down our throats to, to, to watch? Is it more about because they're trying to keep themselves more cost-effective in, in their bottom lines, or is it they really think this stuff works on the field? Because – I mean, just as an example, during their 13-game winning streak, they had a lot of missing starters, and they stole bases, and they bumped it, yes. and they and they you know moved yeah. runners, and they won 13 games in a row. Yeah, not by the analytical strategy. Right. So I just want to know, like, 
and, and even in the movie, after their, they, they lost in the 2000, I think it was 2002 playoffs, there, whoever came on who was narrating said, you know, with the analytic gimmicks, nobody changes this game. You have to butt. You have to steal. You right. have to move runners to score. And, you know, well, that stuff isn't going to work. Right. But now they're doing it, and they won't stop doing it. Yes. And, Matt, and, and I think that's going to be, you know how, like, picture like a pendulum swinging, okay, like, okay, way back when it, it looked like that. And, you know, with the, the, the steroids and all that, it swung back the other way. I think that there's got to be a happy medium, and I think the new money ball is going to be a, a return to that small ball game where it's like, okay, Joey Gallo's got f- literally four guys playing in the outfield, uh, you know, when he's up at bat. Okay, put it where they're not, or or maybe it's going to be have to be aided by by dif- you know uh, disallowing the shift. Maybe that's going to have to speed up the process. I mean, I don't really know, but I think this Yankees team should be be becoming more athletic. They should be stealing paces. Again, a 75% success rate on base stealers this past season. 75% of the time, if you stole a base, you made it. And a lot of the times, they weren't weren't even contested. You know, by by a throwdown. That is what I wanted Brian Cashman to say. And again, I'll have watched, it's him, between him and Boone, it was like an hour and 40 minutes. Um... You know, you I, I have a day job, so I, I don't have time to watch an, uh, an hour and 40 minutes and prepare for the show and do all this. But by Saturday, I will have watched all one hour and 40 minutes of it. I can tell you that much. And I would have loved to have seen, as I've been telling you guys, telling you for three weeks, like, I would have loved to have seen Brian Cashman get up there and say, hey, I made a mistake. I'm going to rebuild this the right way. We're going to get more athletic, X, Y, and Z. Based on everybody's reactions and, and the clips and the articles that I've read, he, he, he didn't say it. Scott in Dix Hills, you're up on the fan. How are you? I uh, I think we spoke uh, last week and probably the week before. Uh, just want to make a comment about about uh, the Yankees and then get to football, which is what we spoke about last week. Mm-hmm. Um, as far you're absolutely right. Uh, New York fans are often often heralded as being the smartest fans and. We have a lot of education, and mm-hmm. and we're smart. We're just smart, right? Right. And you you highlighted it perfectly with regard to the the, the, the combination with Cashman and Boone. Very few New York fans should be have been complaining about firing Boone only. Right. Exactly. Because anybody with an education and knows how things have been working yes. knows it's a it's at a minimum a duo if not more extended than that, right. into further into management. Right. So so it just doesn't make sense to have fired Boone. Which is uh, why I put himself. that poll up, by the way, on Twitter. I don't know if you saw it or, or voted in it, but I, w- I was kind of gauging how people would feel about it, and most of the people were angry. And, and I question that because if you're angry that he's back, then you're not understanding what the whole picture is here, clearly. Yep, yep. The, the other thing is I'm, I don't know. I'm not an analytic person. When it comes to baseball, I don't get deep into that. Um, I assume the people they have working in those departments are like the same people that help develop video games and how video games work. And they expect it to work similarly. Yeah, but, but there's a human um, element. There's, there's a human yeah, element that you can't measure in a computer. One of the, one of the things I'd like them to, to answer, and I don't know the answer, is 
in with the new rule and in extra innings with a runner on second base yeah. to start the inning, mm-hmm. I would think that the chances of scoring that run are greater having a runner at third base with one out than at second base with nobody out, especially if you're the home team. Because if you're, if you're up in, and, the, and the away team hasn't scored in the top of the 10th, yeah. and you're now the home team, if you can bunt that run into third yes. or move the ball to sec- to the ground ball to second, so the, that runner goes to third, that now forces the away team to bring the infield in perhaps or intentionally walk people and also the outfield in because a, a long fly ball is going to win the game, mm-hmm. right? And it forces a lot to happen. A, a wild pitch wins the game. Right. Fastball wins the game. Lots of ways to win the game with a one-out runner on third, then I think no outs runner on second. Yeah, the thing is, though, I think it's all going away. I'm pretty sure it's all it's all going away. Those extra inning rules are, are going to be lifted uh, uh, next year. And as you were talking, I, I, and, and it, you make great points, I, I think, and I'm trying to find the splits here, I would love to see, if I could find it, um, what the Yankees' record is once games have gone into extra innings. So if anybody could find that uh, on this break here, and I'm going to continue to look, what is the Yankees' record in games that went into extra innings this season? This season. Because I'd venture to guess that it's under 500. Because I would think that, I know that this team is not built to move runners, blah, 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 blah. Everybody knows that. So I would like to see, and I would not be shocked, that if the Yankees' record in games that went into extra innings was below 500. So that's that's your assignment, everybody, over this next commercial break. And tweet me, and I'll retweet the first correct answer, and I'll try to find it as well. All right? it's we're, We have a race. Me versus you. Ready, set, go, and get aboard. 877-337-6666. Welcome back to McCartan Before Midnight here on this Wednesday night on the fan in New York City. Been heavy on the Giants, heavy on the Yankees, of course, because those are... Uh, the big stories in the city. Aaron Boone is back with the team, and, and I put the, the poll up. And, and you guys that are angry, it, maybe you're not understanding the whole picture. You or I could have been put into that position to be manager of the Yankees. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It's a collaborative effort. The bigger problem is the fact that the Yankees seem to be not budging on their their philosophical belief and what this team should look like. That is the most concerning thing. I beat you guys too, by the way. I beat you all searching it up. I beat you. The Yankees, to my surprise, and and I stand corrected, uh, the Yankees, according to baseballreference.com, the Yankees are 10-8 and in extra inning games. So I stand corrected. And I'm trying to come up with an explanation for it, and I, I can't, you know? So, you know, good for them. I stand corrected. There you go. I've got a donation. We we have a donation uh, to our Running with the Devils 5K run and walk here. William, I'm re- I pride myself on reading names off of a roster really good and, and during my day job. William Zdan, Zdanowski. Zdanowski. William Zdanowski just donated to the cause. And we are up closer to our goal. Thank you, William. I very much appreciate it. And, and, and I'm sure... The healthcare heroes do as well. We are up at seven hundred and seventy-eight dollars in closing on our our thousand-dollar goal. So thank you, William. 
And uh, thank you to you guys that have already donated. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. All right, to the phones we go. 877-337-6666. Robbie in Lennox, you're up on the fan. Okay, there we go. Hey, Robbie. Hey, hey Daniel. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm okay. You know, um, show's going really well. I'd love to have you on sometime. Anyway. Let's um, do it. Sure. Yeah, yeah. We do 10 o'clock on uh, Tuesdays. So, anyway. Tuesday um, nights? 10 o'clock Tuesday nights? No, Tuesday morning, actually. But you're teaching, right? Yeah. (laughs) For it, I'm in. Yeah, maybe. I get it sometime. Yeah, we got to do some spots. But, yeah, we're doing all right. And we're trying to get some national podcasts. But it's been going well, you know. So, anyway, uh, you know, it was very refreshing. Even though I just got home from rehearsal, it was very refreshing to see a guy pitch eight innings tonight. Oh, how beautiful is that? Yeah, it's great. It's, yeah. it's, it's, it's a throwback to, to the guy like Dave Roberts who decides he's going to use 10 pitchers in a game. Danielle, these games go way too long because of these of these like ridiculous pitching. I mean, last night, Granky is out after the second inning. Mm-hmm. I mean, I used to love watching pitching duels, but I wanted to ask you about the Yankees. Okay, I want to get your opinion on this. One of the reasons that I didn't want Brian Cashman back is if you look at the other organizations, Houston, the Red Sox, the Dodgers, they've all built within their own system. Mm. Can you name anybody besides Aaron Judge that has really developed or a pitcher that's developed through the Yankees organization? And that's my biggest problem. Like, yeah. I don't have a problem with a guy like Volpe coming up. I don't have a problem. Like, I want to see Esteban Florio play next year. Yeah. I don't want to see Brett Gardner. I don't want to see Aaron Hicks. Yep. We never see Aaron Hicks. He's always hurt, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. but, uh, You're not seeing him anyway. No, just kidding. Yeah, right, exactly. He's like the, the invisible maze Claude Rains. Yeah. He's a Jacoby Ellsbury. Right. Oh, there's another great Cashman signing. Yeah, yeah. Way. Wonderful, beautiful. I'll never forget when they signed him. It was on with JJ one night, and the first day they signed he and I were like, you got to be kidding me with this signing. Yep. But that's the thing. You know, they're bringing back, you know, they're bringing back Cashman. It's not so much Boone. I mean, I don't love Boone. Yeah. I mean, I, I was telling Sally the other night, I said to him, you know, you know, Boone wanted to talk about bringing in Albert Abreu in the biggest game of the year instead of having Chapman, who's got making $18 million, yeah. sitting on the sideline, you know, sitting on his toughest. You know, on, on the bench when he's, but that's, see, those are the type of moves that drive me crazy with Aaron Boone and the way he uses the bullpen and the way, and the cockamamie ridiculous lineups that you see. Like, hey, I could remember, you know, in 2009 when Hideki Matsui bat a fifth every day. I just, I hate analytics. I think it's ridiculous. I want to go back to a bat, a ball, and a glove. Why have we become so ridiculous with all this algorithmic BS? It drives me crazy. I don't understand who who started this nonsense. When did this start? Like, when did all the GMs become suddenly have the autonomy to tell a manager what to do and yeah. to tell a manager how to make a lineup? I mean, when did this all this nonsense start? I don't know. I really don't know. And you know what happened. bothers me? Seeing Aaron Judge bat second Anthony Rizzo in the leadoff spot in, in a playoff game I don't understand I don't get it and I listen I like analytics and, and I feel and Robbie thanks for the call there I, I feel like I, I would be an M a good blend of both analytics and and um you know gut gut managing if you will I don't I don't see the benefit of having Aaron Judge batting second or Anthony Rizzo batting first. Like, I, I don't understand it. Especially if a guy's not used to batting in that position and you're, you're throwing him out there. I don't agree with it. And I, I was hearing uh, they brought Max Scherzer in. in uh, it was some radio show. I don't know what I was listening to. Uh, everything's starting to blend together a little bit. Uh, but I, uh, I was listening to some show somewhere, and they were saying, oh, yeah, Max Scherzer was brought in in relief. Was that true? Because I can't stay up and watch those games. And that's the problem, too. The games are too long. They start too late. But that's besides the point. I wasn't watching it, and you just—that's putting a guy in in not a great position to succeed. 
If you're putting him in a position where he's never been before in a really important situation, it's not a great, great look. And I can't stand to watch any more solo home runs from Aaron Judge. I can't. The solo home runs in today's day and age, they're not really game changing. They are not really game changing home runs. But if you put Aaron Judge up there with a the guy on first and second, second and third, maybe he's batting in the three hole. All of a sudden, a three run home run can change the complexion of a game. Move him down in the lineup. I don't understand. I don't get it. I don't get it. The guy's your best, one of your best power bats, maybe the best power bat on your team. You got him batting second? Those are the guys that should be getting on base, your first and second batters. Let's go down to Delaware. Mark, you're up next on the fan. How are you doing? I'm great. How are you, Mark? Thanks for tuning in. What are you on, the Odyssey app? Uh, no, I just I actually I actually get six sixty down here, so I'm pretty get happy out. With, uh, the collection. Yeah, it's cool. Down here, but it does work out. Awesome. Uh, so I, I wanted to complain about the fact that everybody from New York says, "Yeah, oh, New York fans are the best fans." But let's be clear, right? Look at the Giants. Every three years, we're like, "Okay, let's change the GM." Then after the GM goes in, then let's you know get a new coach. Yankees. Now they're sitting and getting angry about, "Oh, Aaron Boone, let's get rid of him," but not let's get rid of the GM. The two have to go together. Yes. And I don't understand why we haven't put the two together on every one of these paths because we keep sitting there and saying, oh, do one at a time. But everybody says after the fact, well, that's a bad move. So what do you think? I think, and Mark, great question there. I think that you can't really have arranged marriages, you know, like you can't stick someone with someone else and hope it works. I mean, what if they don't like each other? What if they don't agree in philosophy? I mean, there's so many things that can go wrong. I think that, like like the Mets, they have basically an opening for both, right? They should get in there two guys that are going to work together for the long term. This this marriage of, you know, I just don't like it. I mean, I just don't like it. I would not want to be a GM having to work with a manager that I don't particularly like or get along with or share the same philosophy with. And likewise, the, in the reverse, if I'm a manager, and, and, and I w- I'm still dying to hear what, what happened in St. Louis. There was a, a uh, disagreement uh, in philosophy between their manager and their front office, and then the manager was fired. I would, if I were the Mets with that opening, I'd get on the phone and, and, and Mike Schilt with him, and I'd be like, "Listen, come to New York. I want to, I want to know exactly what happened." Because if me, if if I had to venture to guess what happened there, I think that Mike Schilt wanted to manage more of you know with his gut, and then they said, "No, here's how we're doing it," and I think there was a, a, an issue there. So. I, I just think that that it has to be done in a partnership rather than in an, an arranged marriage. Because if you try to force something and it doesn't work, you just set your your team, your product, and your fans and and your brand and and everything back. What two years, three years? I don't know. Hope that answers the question. There. Let's go to Mike and Blowout. You're up next on the fan. Oh hi hi um uh, good um good evening Danielle. What's up, Mike? Oh, I want to talk about not much. I want to talk about. But first of all, the Astros up three to two. But they remember nineteen when they were up three to two and they didn't win it. So I don't want to. I don't want. I don't want to get my fingers too. Uh, I don't, I don't want to ch- count my chickens. Yeah, what yeah. I had. But I also want to talk about the Mets with you too. Mm-hmm. I think the Mets' problem obviously is internally, not so much the players, because I think the Mets are going to have a decent team next year with the talent wise. What do you think? Um. Well, it's going to be a completely different team. You know what I mean? There's going to be a lot of turnover in that team. Yes, but internally, they're a mess with no manager and, right. and you know, 
you know, with the player operation mm-hmm. matter. You know, Al Alderson not being able to hire, uh, you know, you know, the right man for the job. Not even that, Mike. It's it's no one wants the job, which is so right. wildly intriguing to me. That why is no one signing up for the, the president of baseball ops for the New York Mets with an owner that has wipes his butt with hundred dollar bills? I mean, really, what could it be? I don't know. I think it's the organization. You know, you know, is kind of cursed, isn't it? I don't know, I, I, Mike. I don't know what it is, but in terms of that roster. I think you're going to see a very big, a very different Mets team uh, out there next season than this season. I mean, so I, I don't even know if I could offer up an, an evaluation of, of this team right now because it's going to be really different. But I'll tell you the moves I would make. I would bring back Marcus Stroman, absolutely, uh, because you don't know what Jacob DeGrom is going to be, how hurt he really is, and you also don't know what Noah Syndergaard is going to be. Because I, because in my plan, I would bring back Syndergaard, absolutely, I would extend the qualifying offer to Noah Syndergaard, which I'm sure he's going to accept, and because he's basically told you as much. And, and those are the things I would do with the pitching staff. As far as everybody else, I would, I would, uh, I would bring back Conforto, one year deal. We could talk about this. We'll we'll get into this, Mets fans. Uh, and you know the one person I would not bring back. The one person I would not bring back is Javier Baez. There, I said it. That's it. I said it. And. Uh, you know, I'm going to play a little devil's advocate with you guys. How could you not want Aaron Boone back, Yankee fans? He's got the fourth best winning percentage in franchise history for managers that have managed at least 500 games. Fourth best! How about a trivia question for you? Who are the other three managers ahead of Aaron Boone? Okay, here's the question. Who are the three managers ahead of Aaron Boone? So place number one, two, and three of managers that have managed at least 500 games and have a better winning percentage than Aaron Boone. Okay, there's your question. Tweet me the answers at Coach M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N or if you're on the on the phone, give me your guess. 877-337-6666. I feel like I, I should like freestyle over this beat, but, but I'm not going to do it because I'm not good at that. Maybe you guys can. I'm Daniel McCartan with you till 11 p.m. when it's, it's Steve Summers that comes on after this, I believe. So you guys are in good hands with him after that. So I'm with you through 11 o'clock. Man, this has has flown. I left you guys off with a trivia question of sorts. Um, in a way, playing devil's advocate. Aaron Boone is the fourth most winningest manager. Most winningest. <laughs> fourth winningest manager with the New York Yankees uh, throughout his career. And, and this is counting managers that have managed in 500 games or more. So I went and, and I asked you guys, who, who are the other three that have higher winning percentages than Aaron Boone? Got a couple guesses on Twitter. None of them were all the way right. But let me just play devil, devil's advocate for you. I said, you know, Yankee fans, fast and furious on Twitter and everywhere with their reactions, mostly all negative yesterday when the news broke that Aaron Boone will not or will be back as the Yankees manager for at least three more seasons Potentially a fourth. Aaron Boone, who has the fourth best winning percentage in franchise history for managers with at least 500 games, will be back, and people are upset about it. The other three, Aaron Boone's his winning percentage is 601. That's only behind Hall of Famers Joe McCarthy, 
Casey Stengel, and Joe Torrey. And wait, I, I, I can almost put my finger on it. All three of those guys won World Series, plural, with the Yankees. McCarthy, seven. Stengel, seven. Torrey, four. So what does Aaron Boone have to show for his body of work with the New York Yankees? In 2018, he lost three games to one with the Red Sox in the ALDS. 2019, he lost to the Astros in the ALCS. 2020, he lost to the Tampa Bay Rays in the ALDS. And 2021, lost in that one game, ridiculous, wild card game to the Red Sox. In all actuality, the Yankees shouldn't even have made the postseason anyway, but that's that's a whole other conversation. And you tell me which guy doesn't belong in that list of Yankee managers with the top winning percentage that have managed 500 games, at least. McCarthy, Stengel, Torrey, or Boone, three of them have proven that they are multiple-time winners. One has not yet anyway. I know my answer. My answer is Aaron Boone. He's 11-11 in his postseason appearances. With a team like he's got, those big bats and everything, everybody's conditioned to hear about these Yankee bats, everything, Boone, uh, I mean, Judge and, and, and Stanton, and everybody names the roster of the Yankees, yet Aaron Boone is 11-11 in his postseason appearances. Can't get it done in a, in a crunch time. Am I upset that he's back? It's really like, I, if I were to vote in my own poll, it'd be like, meh, eh. Because again, it's a collaborative effort. You or I could do it. We make no difference if they let him go or if they brought him back to me. I'm just indifferent, and I, that's 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 terrible, really. I'm like, I'm not outraged, and I'm not happy. Is this right? <laughs> am I feeling? Am I feeling right in saying this? And there was a uh, Mike from Huntington tweeted me. Mike from Huntington, he, and he wrote, "Boone is not the problem." nor the solution. Tricky. Mike, that was a great way to put that. And we'll go back to the calls at 877-337-6666 in the order that you guys called. Rob in West Caldwell, New Jersey. You're up on the fan. Hey, how are you? I'm great. How are you, Rob? Good, good. Um, You know, you're totally right with what you're saying. You know, but the Yankees have misguidance. I mean, they're they're not playing as a team. They're, they have one of the most talented teams in baseball. And Brian Cashman, I think, has always been stellar. And Aaron Boone. Stellar? I don't believe he Wait, belongs. What? Stellar. Brian Cashman, stellar. Who, who no, is it no, no? He, 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 he hires good people. He brings okay. on good people. Okay, like Tori. Right. My mind just went there. Okay. All right. And Aaron Boone is a good manager. I'm not sure he belongs in a New York venue, so to speak. But he's a good manager. He just doesn't push them like a Tory or a, a you know, right? One of the he, you old, know what he is. You, you know, know what he is. He's a guy that that a Girardi. Yeah, he a, loves being. You know, Machiavelli. I'm going to quote Machiavelli. Misquote him because it's commonly misquoted. But would you rather be feared than loved? Aaron Boone is, and I I land in the middle. Aaron Boone is so far in the loved category that that he that he's not pushing his players enough. That's exactly what I'm saying. Yes, he he's a good manager, but he's not really like. And I don't want to repeat myself, but like a Tory or you know, like you said, McCarthy mm-hmm. or you know, back in the day, and 
you know, like he's, he doesn't, he's not as disciplined, I don't think, as he should be as a manager. Yeah. And I think that he he loves being loved by the players. And and that's what the Yankees wanted, though. That's why they got rid of Joe Girardi, because he was tough. He was a World Series winning catcher who caught a perfect game, Joe Girardi. And he was being tough on, guess who, the catcher on the team. And they didn't like that. They wanted someone that was going to be all touchy-feely, uh, feelings and everything with their players. And that's what they got in Aaron Boone. And that's what they got in a team, an underachieving team. That's an underachieving team. You can't argue with me on that. I can't stand watching Aaron Boone march out there with the gum in his mouth, taking the pitchers out after four innings. I mean, Garrett Cole yells at him to his face on the mound. Don't take me out. There are players that have talked about it in the post-game press conferences. I can go back in my notes and tell you who they were. I don't know off the top of my head. Tyone, I think, was one of them. Montgomery, I think, was another one that said they can go later in games, that they were surprised that they were taken out. They could have gone later. I mean, what are we doing here? You rode Jonathan Lewiska so hard that, that, that he hurt himself, and now you're like, wait a second. Oh, uh, who, who's going to eat up some innings in, in, the, in the middle goings here? I don't, I don't know. Well, if you didn't use Jonathan Lewiska, overuse him to the point where he got hurt, you'd be in a better position right now. If you left your pitchers in more than four innings, well, then you'd be in a better position right now, wouldn't you? Stewart in Brooklyn, you're up on the fan. Hey, Daniela, how's it going? Um, I'm good, how are you? In ter- okay, uh, in terms with Joe Judge, um, I mean, this guy's full of trash. The more, the more I listen to his post-game presses, the less I like about him as a head coach. Six games in, I can't find one thing outside of the decision to finally start uh, get, getting the ball to uh, Kadarius Tony that makes any sense. You know, he, he just keeps yapping like he has a lot of games left to, to get better. The, the Jones injury, the Thomas injury, and the Tony injury, these guys could have, could have sat and, and been, getting, been getting healthy, and, and you couldn't have been any worse except you got three of your best uh, players back healthier, rested, and well-prepared going into a much more winnable game yeah. you know, against Carolina. I understand what you're saying, but I don't. I would not like the the let's concede we're going to lose sort of mentality. But as soon as that game got out of reach, like by halftime, I think it was time to sit the guys for sure. Yeah, and and, and the Rams they were not looking to score, and they they still dominated at the second half. Yeah. They held the ball for like the twelve out of the fifteen minutes of the game in the uh, third quarter. And, and in terms with with the injuries, um, is it the conditioning coach? You know, not not enough stretching. I mean. It's a, it's, it's not a, can't be a, co- a coincidence anymore. Yeah, you know, I, mean, I, just... I know, Stuart, and, and, it's, and it's hard to say. I mean, you look at Jones, it, it was a concussion, basically. I mean, right, he was in concussion protocol. That has nothing to do with conditioning. You look at uh, Kadarius Tony. what was it, an ankle? The, the, the final diagnosis, what, an ankle? I mean, you saw it. He, he just landed wrong and dragged his foot wrong on the cutback, okay? Then you got Saquon Barkley. He literally stepped on a defender's foot outside of the play. Like that's how he got. So I, I don't I don't know if it's a conditioning thing. I would tell you if I did think it was and I don't I don't think so. And those are just the top 3 off the top of my head, you know, but I don't think so. It could be just a real big coincidence. I mean, you saw the, the injuries, you saw him on slow-mo and all that. I'm just not convinced that Daniel Jones was at was at 100%. Like I always liken this to video games, like, right? The little meter 
above or below the player. I, I don't think his was completely full when he entered that game. And, and I like Joe Judge and, and the, the message that he preaches. I, I do. I, I really do. And I, I, I love the hard-nosed kind of work ethic and all that. But as as you heard with, with Lawrence Tynes, it's just not translating down or trickling down to the players. And maybe, and, and we agreed on this, and maybe there's just too many coaches on that team. And Lawrence said he was going to, I don't know if he's tagged me in it yet, but he said he was going to look back and think back to how many coaches he had on his Super Bowl teams. And he he ventured to guess that it was a lot less than, than the number of coaches that the Giants have now. You know, the assistant to the assistant linebacker coach is what he basically kind of uh cited but uh, I I don't know Uh, I don't know I think the Giants have been snake bitten but but in that game I would not have sat you know sat those guys you know that's that's a bad message to convey like you know we don't have a next man up that's good enough to beat this team no 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 we're gonna start him but but what I would have done was whatever the score was at halftime it was out of reach by halftime whatever that score was I mean, whatever that feeling was, I would have been like, all right, you guys are getting two series into the third quarter, and if we don't score, you're benched. That's it. You're done. I, I absolutely disagree with Joe Judge keeping Daniel Jones in that game. Absolutely disagree with that. I mean, till the end? You listen to the the the, the guys on, uh, on TV. Oh, he's trying to build in reps with his receivers. Build in reps. Build reps? The kid's got his brains jumbled a week ago. He had spit coming out of his mouth and the black little rubber balls from the turf in it, on his lips, and he didn't even know. He didn't even wipe them off. Got his bell rung times infinity. And you're putting him out there in, in absolute garbage time? I mean, you're losing literally 38 to 3. At that point, at one point, with like 11.50 left to go in the, in the game. 38-3. to three. You haven't scored a touchdown all game long. What makes you think you're going to score five touchdowns in 11 minutes? Build reps. That's what the preseason's for. So those are my two biggest qualms with Joe Judge. Not utilizing the preseason as he should have. As I told you, as it was happening. And two, keeping Daniel Jones in that game. That was just... Really, really irresponsible. So we'll take more of your calls in the final hour here on the fan at 877-337-6666. Bob Huster's got an update for you. We were meant to live for so much more. That's like an anthem for our New York sports fans around this area. New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, and beyond. It's not good. It's bleak. It's awful. Like, I don't think the Jets and Giants are going to combine for... for I don't know. What's the over-under on their combined wins? Is it is it eight? Are they going to combine to win eight games this season? It's just horrible. Brutal. At least we've got the Nets. If you're a Nets fan, the Knicks are hanging tough with the Celtics right now. We'll see. Maybe we just have to just shift our focus from football and baseball to basketball. <laughs> we might have some win. I mean, they're they're leading the Celtics. Right, I'm looking at on Google here. Let me because it went to commercial. It looks like there's a score of 109-101. New York Knicks. All right, good. And by the way, the Braves are already on top of the Dodgers, five to two in the fifth inning. Wow. Atlanta leads the series three to one, uh, two to one. I'm sorry, two to one. That's also something to watch on this late Wednesday night.
here on The Fan in New York City. We'll come back to your calls, 877-337-6666. Oh, before we do that, I, I must mention, I, I've got, I'm ready for Nick's opening night. Got my uh, number 33 Legends t-shirt on. That's Patrick Ewing. Bought it at a Nick game, the, the, the elimination game that they lost to the Hawks uh, last, last season. So uh, I'm ready. I'm ready in my number 33. And it looks like the TV just, no, they're just giving highlights. I was like, there's no way they're cutting out of this Knicks game. I'll keep an eye on it for you guys. Let's go. Derek, in Staten Island, you are going to lead off the 10 p.m. hour here on The Fan. Go ahead. Hey, thanks for taking my call. Of course. Thanks for making it. Uh, All right. I just wanted to comment on what you said about you would keep Conforto over Baez. Yes. And it doesn't seem like you're basing that on who's a better hitter. I mean, uh, Baez is clearly the better hitter. He's got, he's got all the tools. Um, Conforto, oh, yeah? Does, Conforto does not run. Um, he's very, I mean, he's very limited, and he couldn't even hit in a contract year. Well, so here's the thing. Well, well Derek, go yeah. ahead, Derek, finish. Go ahead. And who can we count on the, to, to be our second baseman? We're going to go back to Robinson Cano? I mean, um, I you know, I don't see anybody on the horizon who can cover that spot. Well, well, Javi Baez is a shortstop. You know that, right? Well, he, he's a shortstop, but he will be playing second base if he comes back. You know that, right? I do know that, but here's the other thing. Do you do know that his numbers absolutely upticked in the final, what, two, two a month of the season? Why? Because he's a guy looking for a contract. You think that if he gets well, a long-term deal, he's going to be doing those those numbers? Come well, on. Why like that. Because he's a cancer in the locker room. Did you notice what happened in that locker room, in that clubhouse? Uh, other than the thumbs down, what, I don't know what Other than the thumbs down, bro, that, that might as well have been a, a middle finger to Mets fans all over the place. Lindor did that too. Lindor I know he did. And so did Kevin Pillar. That And when did that start? Oh, let me think. Oh, yeah, when, when uh, Javi Baez got here. Yeah, that's when that all started. Yeah. How about that? Yeah, you know what? I would love to get rid of Lindor, too. That was a mistake. How do you sign a guy for 10 years, and you don't even know if he can handle New York? How do you do that? Hey, I, hey, I agree with you on that contract, but it's, what's done is done. Let's yeah, go forward. You want, like, a 35-year-old middle infielder? That was a terrible deal. That was a terrible deal. A 35-year-old middle, middle infielder? What do you mean? What, at, at the end of his contract, let's see, Lindor. All right. Lindor contract. He's how old right now? Oh, no, no, hold up, hold up, hold up. We got him for 10 years. Yeah. You can't do anything about that. Yes, That's you can. You can give him a, a, a lower, uh, less years. He's going to be actually 37 years old as a middle infielder at the end of that contract. The, Come on. The contract, the contract is done. I know that. It was a, it was a terrible deal. That's okay. going to be a mistake. That, that Lindor contract is going to be a mistake for the Mets for, for uh, the next nine years. Okay, let's talk about what we can do about it. Yeah. Let's not bring let's not bring Baez back because that's like one A that's like one B to Lindor's one A. Let's not keep Conforto. No, see that's the thing. Conforto is playing. He he's going to be playing for for the for the dollars with Scott Boris as his agent. I would offer him the qualifying offer, which is below his market value. Thank you, Derek. The the qualifying offer is like six million dollars below his his projected market value. He accepts it. If he accepts it, good. You get a player on, on uh, with a hungry player, uh, uh, ready to prove himself so that he can go out and make more money. He denies it, you get a compensatory draft pick back. I mean, it's a win-win for the Mets. Why wouldn't you do that? Instead, you'd, you'd be willing to sign Javi Baez? Javi Baez to a to a uh, uh, 
free agent contract? A guy that destroyed the, the clubhouse? Which I no one can speak to that because no one's been in the clubhouse because of COVID restrictions. But you mean to tell me that his market value, Bobby Bias, is eight years, $194 million. I could think of a lot of other things to do with that Mets team with that $194 million than spend it on Javi Bias. Sorry. Sorry. No way. Javi Bias does not belong in a Mets uniform next year. Sorry. Kevin and Camden, you're up next on the fan. What's up, Coach? How are you? I'm good, Kevin. Get a little riled up here. I could, I can hear it. I'm like, I, I'm, I'm listening to it. I'm thinking, I'm not even going to get into detail about that. But yeah, I, you're I a biased this, fan. I know it. But I will say this. Um, I think we have a little bit of a different. Well, I'm not going to say I wouldn't. Well, I'm not going to. That's not my call. I just say I have a little bit of a different opinion there. I'm I know. Into that. I'm we can get into that. that. I was going to do that Saturday. We're, we're going to talk really in depth about that on Saturday. So um, I'm going to. Yeah, I'll call. That's why I'll call in Saturday about that. Okay. But I got to talk about these Yankees because I'm like you. I'm like. Meh, because Boone's not the worst, but he, uh, I don't know. I, I, I just, because he's not the problem. I, I, I still think Cashman's got to go, because I listened to that press conference, and he, he was saying that, and one quote that I wrote down in my, I have a notebook that I write all the stuff that I write. I keep my notes in my notebook. I do a lot of stuff. Like <laughs> Good for you. One thing, one thing I wrote down was that he, he'll need to offer Boone, he'll need to offer, um, he needs to offer Boone more roster construction. Like, he, that's true. He's right about that. But the one, th- the one thing you and I, I think most every Yankee fan will also know, that they, the way they do things, it's a co- as you said earlier, it's a collaborative effort. Mm-hmm. We know that they're not going to do that. I mean, like, I, I don't have any faith that they're going to do that. No. He could, he could say, oh, I need to do that, but you know he's not going to do that. So, like... Like, what is your what is your plan? Because I, honestly, I don't see it. Yeah, but I mean, you know what it is, Kevin. They have right. the plan. That the plan is not what we want the plan to be. You and I. That's what it uh, is. And he said also, you need to get a shortstop. But I mean, like, who are you going to bring in? You're going to bring in the uh, Corey Seager. You're going to bring in Corey Seager. I, I take him. I take uh, yeah. So I guess he's the best bet. Right, Simeon's is not bad either, though. But I take Seager, though. Yeah, you know, I haven't done my in-depth study on all these. I can't put forth a name yet, but I do like I the idea of Seager. I can tell you, Myers is not going to go to the Yankees. No, but that's the rest, Correa, I, Correa, no, you you know how I feel. I don't even need to tell you about that because you know how I feel about Correa because we discussed that. Mm-hmm. But no, I think Seager's the best bet. But I, I don't know. This whole this this the Yank. I don't know. I just it's the same old, and this is the problem because it's we're going into the same old every like this is every year now. Like are we like it's with the Giants? Are, are we gonna ever improve? <laughs> like I I just feel like yeah. this is generally are we gonna improve because I don't see it. I don't see it with the manager, and I definitely don't see it with the GM. And you know he's going to get a new deal. You know Cashman, they're not going to let him walk. Oh, never. He's got one year left. The signing of Boone, the signing of Boone basically guaranteed it, Kevin, that that, uh, Cashman was going to be back. That was it. Cashman is on a lifetime deal. He might as well just bring it to the Supreme Court. He and the Supreme Court justices have one thing in common, that they will have a job forever. That's it. And the, the, the re-signing of Aaron Boone has, has basically solidified that in concrete moving forward. Because Cashman has one year left on his deal. Just one. 
You don't think that they're going to be put in an arranged marriage between Aaron Boone and his three-year contract and, and a new GM for the f- two years? No. It's not going to work like that. Cashman will be back. Boone will be back. And that is the frustration among Yankee fans all over. If I have a, a pulse of the people, if I can gauge the pulse of the people, that's what I would say. It's not outrage about uh, Aaron Boone being back in particular. It's outrage about the whole entire system, philosophy, put forth by Brian Cashman. And just so everybody's clear here, the Knicks, I don't want to even jinx it, but the Knicks are nine seconds away from their first victory, opening day victory at the Garden. There are nine seconds left, and they are up by four. I'll keep an eye on it for you guys. Dave in Comac, you're up next on the fan. How are you? What's up, Dave? Good. How are you? Uh, the Islanders, I'm not very happy with what I see with Sorokin. seems that he leaves, if he's leaning toward the left, that he leaves the right side completely open. And too far out of the net. And uh, I almost feel like this guy's worse off this time around than he was last season. Oh, man, I don't know. I mean, I, I didn't get to watch the Islanders game the other night. I didn't see it. But we, I think you and I, we've talked about this, how he, how he's he, he's too far out. He's still too right, far out of the goal out. crease. This time, there were a few times he was too far out, but there were also more times where even if he was closer to the net, he left. Uh, either the left side or the right side completely open. I could see it because if you go on YouTube, you'll see the highlights okay. of, of, the, of the games before the one that they won. People can say, oh, what are you complaining about? They won. But, yeah, but you know what? Bad habits die hard, so to speak. Yeah. Oh, it's hard. Yeah, muscle memory. Any improvement. They got Letty is gone. Uh, Eberly is gone. Right? They got Chara. That's great. But, but it's like, uh, what? Uh, addition by subtraction because you're missing two other players. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't, I don't know. I mean, you got Anders Lee back, right? That that's supposed to be a huge help. I mean, it starts and ends with the goal crease, though. You look at the yeah, Tampa Bay Lightning. I mean, what what did they do with with their goalie? I mean, they he he was incredibly historically good in that run down the stretch, and and to me, that's where it starts and ends. But you know what's interesting? They did nothing to uh, improve the offense and or the defense with this team. And uh, by the way, as far as the, what you mentioned about the Yankees, mm-hmm. and I'm a Yankee fan, mm-hmm. you know what I say to the Yankee fans? Boycott the Yankees, make the Steinbrenners sell the team. It's never going to happen. Never. Well, if, if enough people don't show up and the stadium is empty, maybe the Steinbrenners will wake up. Nah, Dave, it's a great idea in theory. It might work in theory. And by the way, the Islanders got Zach Parisi. Yeah, that, that's a little bit of a help, but... It's a great idea in theory, and and I love the people that want to do it all the time, and then no one actually does it. I mean, I have friends from Las Vegas. They they came to a Yankee game. They didn't pick the Mets. They came to as tourists. They came to a Yankee game. It's never going. That's never going to happen. I, I hate to say it. It's a great idea. The Steinbrenners are never selling the team, no matter who comes or, or whatever. It's not happening. Who comes in? I mean, it, it's just. It's Hal Steinbrenner who basically it got be- the team got bequeathed to him by George Steinbrenner, like John Mara. That team was bequeathed to him, like that word, bequeathed, given, handed down to. That's like a. I used that in eighth grade one time. My teacher looked at me like I used the thesaurus. I was like, No, I actually know what that word means. Let's go to Frank in Stamford, Connecticut. You're up next on the fan. How you doing, Daniel? How you doing, Frank? What's up? Big, big Yankee fan. Okay. For years. But I know the manager, I'm like you, I, I 
you got to change the players. Now, now the Yankees never go outside the box. First of all, their talent evaluators are horrible. That's number one. So we'll put that to rest. They don't really have good talent evaluators. Clint Frazier, all right, Underhaar got hurt. Aaron Hicks, supposed to be five tools, all this. Put all that to rest. They got to go outside the box. What do you that mean by that? They got to... Uh, they got to start getting creative with trades. Now, okay. I'm going to put two or three things out there on the table. Let's see. And it. I'm going to tell you, I like the Corey Seager thing. I don't know what they're willing to spend on a free agent. Right. I don't know if they're going to get Rizzo back yet. Because if they get righty-handed again, they're going to be back to the same boat. But wait, so before, guy wait out, Frank, before we do yeah. any trade proposals, my, my one proposal for the Yankees is to blow right. past the luxury tax. I mean, we don't know what that number is going to okay. be because it's not collectively and bargained yet. But blow okay, past so, it. My God. Okay. Corey Seager's one, I agree, left-hand hitting shortstop. Then you call up the Baltimore Orioles, Mm -hmm. and you say, I'm going to offer you Luke Voigt, Gleyber Torres, and Jordan Montgomery, and go after Cedric Mullins and see if they bite. Mm -hmm. Because Cedric Mullins is a tremendous leadoff hitter, a young center fielder that athletical, and then the last move, then the other move, you've got to get rid of Chapman. I would, wait, wait, pause right there. I don't know if I would include Montgomery in that deal because you've got a pitching staff that you don't that, – that's not great. And okay, you may have to gamble, okay, but you got this kid, Louis Hill. He's got potential. Yeah, he does. You, got, you know, and mm-hmm. Montgomery could be pushed back to the fourth spot. He you could. Cole, you got Cortez, yeah. and, and you'll have Severino. But that doesn't so scare me. Take- I, if I'm an opposing team, that, that rotation doesn't scare me. And, you yeah, know. but does Montgomery really scare you? No, he doesn't. No, no, I'm, I'm serious. So there you go. So 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 you put Montgomery, Voight, and Torres on the table. If they say yes to that, then you go out get a left. If you can't get Rizzo back, you make another trade for Eric Hosmer, and you put Hosmer first, cigarette short, Mullins in center, and that's what you got to do. And go outside the box. And if you want to make out Aaron Hicks, and if Gallo's on the block, you could get rid of him too because he's so bad. I don't even drink the wine anymore. I, I don't even drink the gala wine anymore. Mm. So here's, so that's another, those are the things I would do. And go outside the box, swallow it. And if that means you got Aaron Hicks, then you put Aaron Hicks in left. You put him as a, your left fielder, a switch hitter. You put Mullins. And now you add three or four lefty bats with a little speed. And I don't think Jordan Montgomery is ever going to be the pitcher that they think he's going to be. He's okay. To me, he's a number three or four starter. Yes. I think that's replaceable. I think that's replaced. All right. And you're going to have to put somebody in there that's going to make them bite. So now Baltimore gets a first baseman, a second baseman, and you put LeMayu back to second where he belongs, and you put a shell in the third, and you run with it. And and if the if that's what I would do, I want to hear your opinion. And uh, this is the first time I'm talking. You, you, you sound very nice, and I wish you luck, whatever you do. <laughs> Thanks, Frank. Okay? I appreciate Thank that. Thank you. Bye-bye. So... I'm looking at the Yankees' pipeline right now, right in front of me. Obviously, everybody's heard of Anthony Volpe. His ETA in the major leagues is the beginning, or I guess spring training, of the 2023 season. Now, if he's as good as advertised, you're not looking for a a long-term shortstop. Now, I'm just kind of thinking out loud here, right? Do you really sign uh, like a guy like Corey Seager? Do you really do it? Or do you wait? Get a stopgap kind of guy, and do you really wait until, until Volpe comes along? Because it really, it's only one season if he continues developing among uh, on this trajectory. 
The scouting report says his instincts help him play above his tools on the bases and at shortstop. He's driving the ball more once he added a little strength. He's looking like a 20-home run threat. He's a solid runner who recognizes and mistakes, uh, makes the most of opportunities to steal or take an extra base. I mean, this guy, his arm earns average to solid grades. He's a, he, can, he figures to stick it short because he's got a good internal clock and a quick release. I mean, there's nothing bad about what's going on in, in the scouting report. So then do you just wait it out a season? Do Yankee fans have the patience to wait it out a season? I don't know. And as the Knicks, I, I definitely was a mush on the Knicks. They headed to overtime and they just took the lead, 122 to 121, with three minutes and 53 seconds remaining in the overtime period. I will fill you guys in after that. And by the way, speaking of basketball, the Chicago Sky, the 2021 WNBA champions, did the ultimate troll job at their parade to living legend Diana Taurasi following their, their, her and their team's ridiculous unsportsmanlike conduct following their loss in that championship game. How masterful was their troll job? I think any fan of any team could appreciate it. Any league, you guys be the judge. I'll fill you in. Coming right up on The Fan. Welcome back to McCartan before midnight on The Fan here in New York City. And do we have a game? Nick Celtics. They are tied at 128. Could this potentially go into double overtime? Well, let's hang on and see. I'm not giving play-by-play. I'm just telling you that the Celtics have the ball. They are going to get the last shot of this game. Let's see. Double overtime we go. Two double overtime we go. Wow. We at the Garden. I'm not going that way home tonight. I'm going to avoid that road like the plague. So if you, like me, watch the Chicago Sky defeat the Phoenix Mercury in the 2021 WNBA Championship, you saw that it was a packed house with Chicago native Chance the Rapper in the front row there, Celebrity Row. In fact, the Wintrust Arena out there in Chicago was at 100% capacity. Sold out. 10,378 people. It was the homecoming of, of Sky star Candace Parker. It was complete with confetti on Sunday, the ticker tape parade on Tuesday. Her team won. And her team also completed the ultimate troll job of living legend Diana Taurasi. Did you guys see it? Okay. After the game, Diana Taurasi repeatedly kicked down the door leading into the Mercury's locker room. It, I mean, it cracked mostly in half at the door handle level, right? So what did this guy do? They unhinged the door. And they brought it on stage at the parade just to troll Diana Taurasi and the Mercury. I mean, I give that 10 out of 10. And by the way, maybe you didn't see this because if, if any if any other team in any other league did this, it'd be all over the news. Diana Taurasi and her team had a shameful display of poor sportsmanship. Besides kicking down the door, her and her team did not speak did not speak to the gathered media after the game. I mean, how can I say how douchey is that? Can I say that? What a poor display of sportsmanship, if you ask me. So the door at the parade was an excellent move. Good job, Chicago Sky, on more than one level. To your calls we go. 877-337-6666. Anthony in Jersey City, you're up on the fan. Hi, Danielle. I really like your show. First time caller. Thanks, Anthony. I appreciate um, it. 
I guess I'm like the majority of the Giants fans that are in New Jersey. Very angry. I go to the stadium. I spend a lot of money when I go there. Uh, a little background about me. I'm a middle-class guy that works construction in Jersey City. I say that because when Joe Judge first came yes. and got hired as the head coach of the New York Giants, he said this team will represent the the state of New Jersey, the middle class, the hard gritty, you know. The blue-collar workers, yes. He, I remember that, it, yes. We got fooled by that division being so bad last year. We bought into him. I did. And I did. I feel like, you know, it fools gold because – Sitting at that game last week, I don't even know why I did it to myself. If the defensive coordinator and the head coach has to see what players are going to be out there to play and not give up, and then on a second Cooper Cup touchdown, you have a cornerback in DB that's chasing after him, and they just let up. That's not representing us. Mm -hmm. And another thing, how jobs usually work is if you're horrible at it and you mess up time and time again, you get a pink slip. I don't know if Dave Gettleman is part cat where he gets nine lives, but this is also a guy that four never really paid attention to the offensive line. He signed Soldier when he first came here, Patrick Omame, and then two years ago, he gets Thomas Lemieux and Pert. Last year, he did nothing in the draft. Now, one pick was used on an offensive Correct. lineman, Correct. and then he looked to go get the guys that get cut at the training camp to fill the gaps. Yeah. He's done nothing but ruin the team. And I'm sick of the owners hiding, and Giant fans deserve more than this. And I hope to have some kind of blood in the water soon that could start with Dave Gettleman because it, it, it's ridiculous that this guy is still employed by the New York Giants. You know, and, and Anthony, that's an excellent call. Great points all the way through. Very cohesive points there. The one thing I would say is if you fire Dave Gettleman right now, does that make your team any better right now? I, I mean, I think the answer is no, right? I, I think that answer is no. So the move I would make, if I were John Mara, clearly I'm not, but if I was John Mara, the move I would make is this. Patrick Graham gone. Because that potentially, his firing, I mean, you saw the graphic I, I, I sent out before. Opposing quarterbacks, their quarterback rating, which is incorporating of everything, you know, their quarterback rating against this Giants def- defense, on average. I mean, we're talking Bridgewater, Heineke, Ryan, Winston, Prescott, and Stafford. Their collective quarterback rating against this Giants defense is a 115.2. Now, if that was any individual player, that would be, I think, uh, I'm trying to remember, that would be in like the top. Five to ten. We'll put it at that. That would be as if that quarterback rating was was any individual quarterback. They would be in the top five to eight range of the of the entire league. So that means this Giants defense is making any player that they play against, any quarterback that they play against, as an upper echelon, top third of the league quarterback. No matter who you are. I mean, how can the Jets and Zach Wilson get on that schedule this year? Seriously. That's what I would do because if you fire a coordinator mid-season, like now would be a good time, at least you do have a chance to, if someone comes in hungry, wants to take the job over for the long term, there's a change of scenery in that defense. 
Because the Giants average, I don't know what it is right now, but before I think before that Rams game, they averaged like 21 points a game. You can win games by scoring 21 points a game. The problem is the defense lets up so many damn points that the offense, they, this, this team is not built to win in a shootout fashion, and that would have to happen for this Giants team to win games, is to win in shootout fashion. And especially with all these injuries, it's not happening. So if you were to make a change right now, to make this team better. Firing David Gettleman right now is not the answer. What would make the team better right now is either an ideological shift on defense from soft coverage or firing Patrick Graham. It's one or the other. I don't know. That's just me. And this is a very uh, contentious game at, at, at the Garden right now. You've got Boston that has gone out to a, a 131-130 lead with 207 left in the second overtime. Oh, these guys look gassed a little bit to me. They're slowing down a little bit out there. To St. Petersburg we go, and Carmen, you're on the fan. Oop, there we go, Carmen. You know, thank you for taking the call. Of course, thanks I for making it, of course. become a big fan of, of your show. Thank you. Um. I could spend a half an hour talking about Yankee prospects, but I know we have a limited amount of time for the yeah. call, so I'll make it brief. Sure. If you look at Cashman's history of how he utilizes prospects, even on the current roster. Oh, man, he holds really on to them until they have no value. To a point, but even Sanchez, Judge, Torres, Montgomery. Oh, I thought you were Those going were, more Frazier, uh, Clint Frazier, and uh, Miguel Andujar. Sorry, go ahead. No, but you look at what they have now. Jason Dominguez, Austin Wells, yes. uh, Peralta, or Volpe. Mm -hmm. Really, the only one who's untouchable right now in that group would be Dominguez. I think Volpe the, is, is the next coming is in their eyes. Probably, but where where I'm going with this is that can't preclude you from signing a big-name shortstop mm -hmm. or addressing catcher, even using some of those prospects to do so, mm -hmm. because young players like that, until they're actually in the major in the leagues, so you don't know what they right, are. Right. Produced, right. right. And even then, you know, whether it's, Volpe stays at shortstop then if he's still in the system mm -hmm. and you have to move a player like Seeger to say third base, you know, you deal you deal with that down the road. But you can't you can't not sign the free agents that are needed now to elevate this roster to the point of being real contenders. Well that's that's the whole debate. Because right. You right. You have the prospect. Right. Now that and that's exactly Carmen what we were just talking about. Do you wait around one year if Volpe continues along this uh this this trajectory that he's on? Do you wait a year for him to make his MLB debut and hope that he's everything that that you thought he was going to be? But as Carmen just said, that can't preclude you from going out and getting the big name guy, but then who what big name guy wants to come to New York for one season? So what do you do? Do you, do you slide your shella over to, to, to shortstop for a season? 
Is that what you do? I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't know the answer. I haven't done enough study on, on the shortstops. I haven't done a deep dive into those shortstops just yet. But I will. And I will have an answer for you guys. You know that. I'll have an answer for you. And, uh, yeah, let's go. Yeah, let's go Phil in Brooklyn. Go ahead. You're up next on the fan. Good evening. I agree with you 100% about absolutely blowing through this salary cap and this this luxury tax and all this. I think the Yankees need to rip a page out of the Dodgers book and just go do it. Papa George would have gave his left foot. He didn't care about money was irrelevant. I went to a game this year with my 75-year-old father and my two young boys. $115 for chicken fingers, a couple of drinks, and the ice cream and a helmet. Yeah. Boy, I I love the ice cream and a helmet. Money. Uh, it's delicious. It gets all over the place. And it's a mess. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I have such but, a collection I mean, of those helmets, I must tell you. Yeah, I know. I'm t- I know. I know. I mean, so I don't know what they say. Where the money is the problem. It's it's money. And I know it's easy for me to say because, you know, I'm just a working class schmo. Yeah, But when you're me talking too. billionaires, yeah. when you're, you're, these guys are billionaires. What's a couple of dollars? Throw it in. Spend it over the tax because you know what? You make it on the merchandise. You make it on the income. $50 to park. Yeah. Come on. I know. But you know what I did learn because I complained about the parking? Those parking lots are not owned by the Yankees. They're owned by the city because I've complained outwardly about the $50 to park. Yeah, I have. But I I understand the point. yeah, that's what I've, that's what, yeah, that's true. But I understand it's all the $14 beers and the, 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 See, to, to take a family of four to a game, it's it's just you can't, right? It, it was it was probably a four or five hundred dollar day with the tickets, the yes. parking, the food, the drinks, everything. It was easily four or five hundred bucks. Yeah, and and who can keep affording that to to do that? It's a once a season kind of thing in in my household. Once, yeah, right. Not once a season. That's it. I told them we'll come back next year. That's it. Yeah. In the year. Oh, and, and and God forbid, Phil, if you picked a Met game or or a, 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 an Angels game or a Red Sox game, are you you're looking at you're probably going to what the Orioles game or the Blue Jays game? Come on, right? Because those. I t- caught a Kansas City. Yeah. Yeah, I caught a Kansas City game. Yep. Yeah, I think it was like a Tuesday night. Yep. Yep. So yes. yeah, and, and Phil, yeah. I'm with you on that. Blow past the luxury tax. That's it. I mean. Come on. The one thing, the, the reason why, you know, why the luxury tax is in place and why probably the Yankees don't want to do it is because if you exceed it, and don't quote me on this, you know, percentages and everything, but if you exceed it, then the amount that it gets exceeded by, that money kind of gets divided among all of the quote-unquote smaller market teams. So in essence, you're helping your competition by giving them more money to play with. That's the principle of it. Okay, don't quote me on any of the specifics, but that's the principle of it. But at this point, you're the New York freaking Yankees. Look at what the Dodgers did. Look where they are. And look what you did. And look what you are. Where you are. Speaking of tickets, the outlook for the Jets and Giants looks bleak for this season. And our two... New York basketball teams landed in the top three on the secondary market sales. The Nets played last night. The Knicks are still on right now. Which team do you think is more in demand, the Knicks or the Nets? And are you planning to hit any basketball games up this season? 877 
337-6666. This is your last chance to get aboard, everybody, until Steve Summers comes your way at 11 p.m. I'm Danielle McCartan on The Fan. The New York Knicks have taken it home, everybody. At home, at the Garden. It's party time here in New York City. Final score, the Knicks 138, the Celtics 134. Took them two overtimes, but a Julius Randle rebound sealed the deal. After a Jason Tatum miss, and the New York Knicks are 1-0. And let's face it, everybody. Football in our area is it's over, okay? Unless you root for the Bills, I guess. But the Giants and Jets will be lucky to total the number of wins that the Bills have combined. So, looking at basketball in this city, the Nets are favored at every single sports book in the country to win the NBA championship, with or without Kyrie Irving, by the way. Yet they lost their opener in some pretty uninspired basketball if you ask me, against the defending champion Milwaukee Bucks and Giannis Antetokounmpo, I mean, it wasn't it wasn't even competitive from the beginning. Fear the deer, the Nets did not, and the Knicks tonight in a thrilling victory at the Garden are now one and zero. So there's a lot to be excited about. I think you know, besides the Nets doing poorly in that game, I mean, they're still favored to win, right? I think there's a lot to look forward for. So the Knicks and the Nets are both in the top three and secondary ticket sales on the website StubHub. Which tickets are more in demand, the Knicks or the Nets? Think about it. Knicks or Nets more in demand on the secondary market? You got your answer? The answer is the New York Knicks. The Knicks are the top-selling team in StubHub, and the Nets are number three. I'm sorry, Knicks are second. The Nets are number three. And you know who's number one? The Lakers. You can probably guess that. So will I make it out to a Knicks or Nets game this season? I don't know. But Evan Roberts, he's got some season tickets now. So if he, I told him if you ever need anybody to go with, I, I think I can make myself available. Or I'll try to at least. So we'll see what happens. I'd like to get to at least at least one of each, maybe two of each. As I sit here in my Patrick Ewing t-shirt, give me a call. If you're, headed, if you're leaving the game, give me a call. 877-337-6666. Larry in Connecticut, you are up next on the fan. Hey, Danielle, thanks for taking my call. Of course, Larry, thanks for making it. Cool, love thank your you. attitude, by the way. Oh, thanks. That my, my mom so, always told me that, and it was never a good thing, though. She hates my <laughs> attitude sometimes, and it was never good. So, thanks for that. That's okay. <laughs> well, a couple of points on Brian Cashman and why yeah. I think he needs to go before the Yanks can get it turned around. So, in the last twenty years, I'm sure you'd agree he's had probably the top one to three payroll to spend. Yes. And yet, in 20 years, one championship, that is a measure of failure that's not acceptable. Mm-hmm. And, as, and as far as his baseball sense, he's an attorney. He's not a, he's not a Gene Michael baseball guy. Mm. And a good point of that is this year, when they went 24-6, and six, they were on a roll. You had the rookies playing. You had Velasquez playing. Yes. You had Tyler Wade playing. And those guys were on a roll. Did they need to bring Glaber and Urshela back when they did, just right in the middle of that streak? Or could they say, hey, guys, you know what? You're not ready yet. Stay down there another couple of weeks. Yeah. He won 13 in a row. Right. But they didn't make that decision. And he gets in the way of what's going on on the field, and he doesn't have that magic touch like Gene Michael had. Yeah. I think that's really what's holding the Yankees back. I think it's a fair assessment. And what about how he how – he, 
evaluates pitching. I mean, who is oh my God. who's starting game two of any series for this Yankees team? Tell me. You know who you know Incredible. who Larry, you know who it should be? Starting game two of any series should be Garrett Cole. He's a game two oh, pitcher. Absolutely. absolutely. You're spot on there. And it really burned me. Like we had Nathan Avaldi. Yes. Yes, he had arm injuries. The guy's lights out when he's healthy. Yeah, he was practically begging the Yankees to come back. Yep, they turned him away. And and guess what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know. Yeah, and he's he's been doing it to him since they didn't resign him. And and Danielle, it's not like they're signing guys with great health records on their arms. They have like four of their five starters had either Tommy John or rotator cuff surgery. Right. So why not Nathan Avali versus Tyone or someone else? <laughs> That's a, it doesn't make sense how he operates. It's man. a great question. I, I don't know. I don't know. It's it's a great question there, Larry. Good point. I don't know. Let's go to Fran in Massapequa. You're up next on the fan. Hey, what's up, girl? How you doing? Hey, Fran, what up? What's up? Big Knicks fan, but I'm really upset that they didn't foul there with the up by three. I don't understand why NBA teams don't. It should be automatic, no? I'm sorry. Say that one more time. One more time. The Knicks were up three. Yeah. Uh, before regulation ended with, what, uh, five or six seconds to go, whatever okay. it was. Why don't they foul there? I don't understand. You foul a guy, let him go to the line, try to hit two, and then they're going to foul you and you get your free. I don't know why they don't foul there. They let the guy come up, get a clean, open shot. It's just, isn't it moronic? I mean, what, what do you think? Yeah, you know, I would think, I would like to look at the percentages of, uh, and thanks for the call there, uh, Fran, sorry. Um, I would look at the percentages versus like whoever the shooter was because I don't know I was doing a show here I had like one eyeball on it whoever the shooter was behind the three point line versus the percentage of how do I say this when you, like you make the first foul shot and then you bank the second one and then that's a high percentage shot underneath the basket you know I, I'd like to see what the success rate that's what I should say the success rate on 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 that particular type of play. Versus just leaving the guy. I don't. I'm not saying leaving him wide open, but that high percentage play on the blocks after making the first foul shot and then potentially banking the second one on purpose. Um, I, I'd like to take a look at the percentages and the success rate on that versus the guy who's shooting the ball from beyond the arc. You know what I'm saying? That's what I would say. And I know that that play is not a common play where you make the first foul shot and miss the second one on purpose and score. I know that's not. So I, 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 I'm um, erring on the side of with you on that. But this Knicks defense, it, it's pretty good from what I've seen. I mean, I'm doing a live show here. It's on the TV in the studio. From what I've seen, this Knicks defense looks pretty good. And by the way, Julius Randle, oh, man. Julius Randle is back, everybody. I mean, did he lead, I think he led all scorers. Let me check the box score really quickly. I think Julius Randle... With his 35 points. Oh, sorry. Brown had 46 for the Celtics. All right, so you got Randall leading the way for the Knicks at, with 35. Fournier with 32. And some quality, quality minutes and production from Obi Toppin off the bench. That's what you're looking to see if you're a Knicks fan. The development of Obi Toppin. And I was listening to some shows and they were saying that, okay, he's finally turned the corner. Awesome. Kemba Walker, 10 points, but a nice facilitator. Knicks look good. The Knicks look like a team that's playing cohesively and together. And hard. I wish I could say that for the Nets as well. 
Thanks to all the callers. Could not have done this without you guys. I love coming here and talking with you guys all the time. If you missed any portion of today's show, hit that Odyssey Rewind feature and select the start of it, which was 7.30 p.m. At 8.40 p.m., we were joined live on the phone by two-time Super Bowl-winning New York Giant Lawrence Tynes. And if you're a Giants fan, definitely rewind back to that. It was fire. Great job to Connor Green, as always, behind the glass tonight. Awesome. And uh, to, to Ack and to Usler on the updates. I'll be back with you guys Saturday, 5 p.m. Mark it down, 5 to 9 p.m. In the meantime, hit my socials at Coach McCartan, Facebook.com slash Coach McCartan. And we'll keep the conversation going through then. The Steve Summers, up next with you on WFAN New York City. Sports Radio 101.